I fumbled the bag. I'm an idiot, dude. It's so similar Lying. to Jordan type stuff. <laughs> Sorry. That's the intro. Okay. That's fine. I can live with that. I sound like a fucking <clears throat> fucking idiot, but that's okay. Maybe I'll just put that in the intro instead. That you're a fucking idiot? What? This whole segment's going in the intro. Whoosh! Hey everybody, welcome back into Making the Walk podcast. Today is January 20th, 2022. This is our seventh episode. Um, I'm here, of course, with Michael Grosh and, of course, uh, our full-time contributor, Alex. Uh, hey, boys, how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm definitely sick and school sucks and everything sucks. Jeez. Hey, it's, the, it's a real ray of positivity this week, huh? Nah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, the other night, I realized I'm very old. Uh, I woke up, or sorry, not the other night, the other morning, I woke up and I tweaked my neck and I still can't move it very well. Um, don't know how the hell it happened, but <laughs> it hurts like a bitch if I turn my head to the right. I can't do it. <laughs> I just got over COVID, so the boys are hurting a little bit. All right, so uh, we do have a very interesting show coming up for you guys here. Um, of course, we're going to review our picks for Fight Night, uh, Qatar versus Giga Chikatse. Um, not my, not one of my better ones, but I think these two guys did pretty good on it. Um, our interview with our first ever pro fighter guest. Super excited for this one. Brian Atkins will join us later in the podcast. And then yeah. we're going to... We're going to review the main card with him. We're going to review the main card with him. So I'm really excited about this one, guys. And then we'll, uh, of course, we'll preview the 270 prelims and some of our favorites on the main card. Um, we're going to, so, so I think we're going to be doing this one a little bit kind of backwards because we're going to be starting out with the main card. And then we're going to be, Mike, keep your pants on. Don't no, you dare. My laptop charger because last oh, okay. week my laptop died. I was going to say, I've seen you put the laptop on the floor and take the pants off, and it's... Well, that's that's for later. <laughs> Gross. Ah, oh, shit, we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyways, as I was saying, we're going to do this one a little bit backwards. So we're going to interview our guest. We're going to talk about the main card with him, and then we're going to go into the prelims, and then we'll talk about some, some parlays or something like that that we may like later on. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm excited for this one, guys. I am too. This should be a banger of a card. Um, what a great way to start off the year. Uh, I'm super excited. Good thing Mike's with us. Yeah. Mike's, uh, I'm sorry, boys. Mike's bricked up over there fucking doing something. Oh, here we go. Right. Plug that. Plug this in. Oh, Jesus. Remember when we first started, it was just me and Mike. So now you guys are understanding what it's like to have to carry someone through an entire podcast. Hey, your back probably hurts. <laughs> okay we're all, we're all good now i just didn't want to make the same mistake i made last week you know every week is about improving <laughs> so we 
<laughs> so I waste two minutes on on the recording. You waste two, you waste two minutes on air as opposed to waiting, making us wait for an well, hour. Sorry, I was rushing around for you guys. That's fair. I was actually on time to speak too. So fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, the fact that you're still setting up. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fair enough. Just give anyway. me the win, goddamn it. Yeah, yeah, you got it, buddy. I'm proud of you. Next week we're gonna improve <laughs> even more. You're gonna be on time, ready to go. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll get into uh, Qatar versus Chikatse review. We're going to make this one pretty quick. Um, for me, and I know Alex, uh, we started off the card 0-3. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was fucking terrible. Did I, you end up taking that underdog in the first fight? Yeah, I just, like, I sprinkled him. Like I said, I wasn't, like, super confident in that bet. Um, I sprinkled him, and TJ Brown just absolutely starched him. Like, I was... So you... So you actually started 0-4. Yeah, I started 0-4. It was not a good look. Um, yeah, I I thought Charles Rosa, based off of, like, his last fight where he kind of, like, had a nice little – almost a little comeback in that, I thought that would kind of spark a fire in him. Um, but it was just uh, – yeah, he just really didn't – it just really wasn't that good. Um, yeah, and TJ Brown proved me wrong. Uh, I'll say it straight up right now. I didn't, he didn't really impress me against uh, Kai Kamaka, but against Rosa, I mean, granted it was a early, it was a pretty late addition to their card. I, I mean, he did pretty well. So, Hey man, that's why they fight the fights. All right. So the, I started on three. I had, um, Hermes Bramage beating court McGee. That didn't happen. Jamie Pickett, uh, beat Joseph Holmes. I bet I just, Holmes, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course we both bet. Uh, I one of my better feeling picks was Joe Anderson Brito beating Bill uh, Aljo. That did not turning out. So um, just not a good start. Uh, Mike, did you end up taking any of these uh, very early prelim fights? No, no. My first one was uh, Borishev, which we'll talk about. Yeah, actually. So the that Alex saved Alex saved the day a little bit there. Um, he took Borishev by knockout. Mm-hmm. Called it right off. Right off the uh, right off the podcast, you know, right off the bat, we said we we may not be touching this fight. I I'm not going to take credit for this win. Um, I put it down on my betting record because I did end up betting it just for like units' <laughs> sake. Yeah. But, but I can't take credit. I'm for I'm not this. giving Alex credit because I didn't <laughs> remember him saying it last week. <laughs> well, didn't we talk? Cool. We talked about I your memory today. last week, didn't we? Yeah, if you guys did, I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember what I had you for did, lunch. You were a part of the conversation. I, Oh, is I peeing? No, you were 100% part of the conversation because remember we talked about who holds the belts and then you couldn't remember what you ate for breakfast? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't remember. So wait, you're not going to give Alex credit for this pick, even though he's well, the one that said for, it. for the audience, yeah, but like Saturday, <laughs> I don't remember. I just I heard him talk on the preview. I was like, oh, I'm betting him by a knockout. <laughs> <laughs> And then I texted Andrew, and Andrew's like, oh, you took Alex's pick. I'm like, what? <laughs> hey, good job there, buddy. <laughs> but no, no, you got to give him credit. Yeah, just messing around. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So our first win was a plus money win. Uh, since we took by a knockout, plus 120 in DraftKings. I don't know if you guys got anything different, but um, Alex, great job with that. Thank uh, you. Our, our next win came with uh, Caitlin Jukagan. Um, like we said, beating Jennifer Maya, uh, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of figured. <laughs> it is what it is. It's what we thought would happen happened, and or sorry, what you thought would happen happened. What I thought did not. 
she failed to do any sort of anything. Um, but I kind of figured that would happen, but she was plus odds, so why not? Um, a man can dream. She didn't come through for me. That's fine. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm fine. The, <laughs> the next fight we took, uh, Brandon Roy Vall, um, didn't get the submission, but ended up getting the win. I honestly, when I was watching that fight live, I thought he lost. I, I thought he lost, too. Lost I was pissed well. about it because I had him in a parlay. Yeah, and, and then they, I, I had I had him also in a parlay with Chukagan. Um, it ended up working out, so I, I'm cool with it. Yeah. The only – I mean, dude, he had eight takedowns, and he controlled the mat for seven and a half minutes. Who is this? Hajirio. Hajirio. Hajirio, that's how you say it. He had eight takedowns. How the fuck do you lose a fight with eight takedowns? Regardless I mean, you, of what happened. If I mean, you don't, in those eight takedowns, though, I mean, Roy Val was, like, literally trying to, like, submit him like, multiple times, if I remember correctly. I think he had him in an arm bar, like, twice, I mean, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, but still, he didn't do like, anything. If you, he if you see a drunk him a little guy bit on the feet, but that's about it. You have eight if you, takedowns, if you see, control them over half the match. How do you lose? It doesn't make that's sense. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you, if, you, if you walk up to, like, any street fight, like a stupid outside bar fight, and some guy is laying on top of one guy, for most of the fight, who are you going to come out saying won that? That's the guy fair. who was on top of him. That's fair. I mean, so, like, okay, at so... least just looking at it, you can. See, it's hard, it was hard for me to think Royval won that fight, but I'll take it. Yeah, I, I'll go with you on that. I mean, he, it's total strikes, not significant. It was 81 to 39, favor of Royval, uh, 40 to 28, significant strikes. So, obviously, one sided on the feet. One sided on the ground. You gotta give him credit for the submission attempts, but the eye test, no way. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I definitely was a little nervous watching that fight. I didn't really like. I have to agree with you guys. Like, I didn't really think he won that fight, but I mean, you know, Sal was a judge, so I was. I was gonna say. I, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I think I wrote it down somewhere. I was like, "Diamato, you son of a bitch! <laughs> you fucking did it to me again." <laughs> Told you that guy's a fucking wacko. I um, I did put a a bet in for Ray Valdo win by submission. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not. Like I. Uh, I typed it. I'm pretty sure you did. I did. Yeah. I typed this up last night and I was half asleep the entire time. Like I told, and when coach Brian listens back to this podcast, he'll list, he'll hear me say this, that I texted him last night and I said, Hey, I'll send you the, um, I'll send you the outline for your interview tonight. He said, all right, cool. I woke up this morning, did my routine. You know, I, I well, first I typed this out last night, half asleep. And then woke up this morning, did my routine, got halfway to work, and then I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! I didn't send him. <laughs> I didn't send him anything about the interview." <laughs> yeah. So, um, like uh, on my notes here, I wrote Jay Collier won a decision win over Chase Sherman, which is not true. He won by submission. Yeah, he won by a rear naked choke. So I don't know what the fuck I was thinking last night. <laughs> I said half asleep, but. Um, anyways, I did take Jay Collier's money line. So, hey, I mean, oh, wait, no. I took his decision prop. Yeah, I took a decision prop, and I was pissed that he submitted him because he, 
what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Like that was just such a wild card. Not to mention this fucking fat motherfucker just you know keeps getting bigger and bigger and is talking about like, oh, I gotta learn my uh, cardio. I gotta get my cardio up. And he's talking about cardio the entire time. And I was like, all right, either Sherman's gonna fucking get him in decision. Or he's just going to beat him in the later rounds. And Collier just like, I mean, I was just dominant. Like, I just didn't see that coming. I was, that took me by surprise for sure. That's all I'm really going to say. Ass. About what was that, Mike? Just beat his ass. Yeah. Plain and simple. <laughs> Pretty much. And I think if you were to watch like Jake Collier's previous fights, he had some crazy scary power for a, a middleweight. And then he was still powerful in the light heavyweight. So it's not crazy to think that, you know, he put on some weight or whatever. He still wouldn't have that power. It's still there. Yeah. Um, just... And he was he was enjoyable to watch when he was smaller. Yeah. I mean, just based off his highlights when he was a middleweight, I mean, he was pretty nasty. It's just like when you move up so many weights like that, like it's just, I don't know. Like I haven't seen anything like that since BJ Penn. He didn't look. He didn't look crazy small, though. No, like, he didn't. Like, when you looked at, like, DC fighting at heavyweight, he was significantly shorter than everyone he fought. Yeah. <laughs> and DC <laughs> like, 5'10". <laughs> yeah, he's not, like, the smallest guy, but, like, you're, like, that video of uh, Brock yeah, Lesnar. I'm pretty sure Justin Gaethje is taller than him. They have a golfing video together on YouTube. I'm pretty huh. sure Gaethje is taller. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. But, like, my favorite is that video of Brock Lesnar walking into the cage. With DC, like DC has the belt around his waist, and then Lesnar shoves him, and it looks like Lesnar shoving like, a, like a like child, a child. Basically, compared to him. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're the same height. They're both five eleven, a, 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 a lightweight and a and a heavyweight. How do you explain to people who have never seen fighting before? You show them a picture with of Daniel Cormier with the shirt off, and you tell him. You tell them this is once the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, this, this is one of the greatest fighters of all time. <laughs> <laughs> you disrespect that chicken on the Popeye commercial. <laughs> all right. So uh, going to the main event, uh, we had Calvin Cater taking on Giga Chikadze. I was flat out wrong in this one. Um, Y'all disrespect Boston, man. No, I, it's not like I, it's, I don't get me wrong. He was the underdog, like fav- he was. favorably, <laughs> two thirty-five favorite. He was, um, yeah, I I bought into the Giga hype, and I think he was looking for that home run. You know what it kind of reminded me of, um, it, and I wrote this down. It reminded me a lot of, and people were saying this. It reminded me a lot of Calvin Cater's beating he took almost exactly a year ago. Yes, to the hands of Max Holloway. Well, I feel like that fight definitely changed him. You could see it. Like, had he fought? Had he fought since then? No, no that's his first fight since Holloway. There's, he looked like he needed a year off he after seemed that. Seemed different. He seemed different. Like his pressure, tenacity. Not that he didn't have good pressure in in the past, but to be able to like basically do what Max did to him to Giga. Oh, you can't! You can't fucking hurt me. Throw all the kicks you want. Do this. Do that. You can't hurt me. And just walk him down and beat that ass. You know, it's wild, too. Like, if you don't watch the fight and you just look at the stats, 
Like, it kind of looks like a closer fight, like a pretty close fight, too. Like, 157, like, total strikes versus 129. I mean, that's still a pretty big difference, but, like, that's, like, it just kind of seems like a battle. But, like, when you actually, like, look at the – when you watch the fight, or at least when I was watching the fight. So one-sided. Yeah. Cater was just piecing Chigaze up, piecing him up. It was so enjoyable to watch, honestly. It was. It was kind of a master class of his boxing ability and pressure fighting. Um, I he think did. the one I'll thing... I'll tell you what, too. He also did a good job utilizing his, his kicks a little bit more in this fight. And the elbows, obviously, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that quick 6-12 to 12 elbow. Um, yeah. Well, but, yeah, I think... The, there's a pick of them. Uh, Gig is in the, uh, the stretcher. Not a stretcher, but a gurney. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he's been in a fight, but Kato looks like he hasn't been in a fight he at all. Touched, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like he's got some red and bruising. And shit. And they're all like, like they're all like, God, you just get a fist fight? <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah, and um, I think the one thing. Sorry, I'm trying to eat dinner right now. No, Bad podcasting, okay. terrible radio. Man, at least um, mute yourself. That's true. I could do that, but that, <laughs> anyways. Um. What is it? So I think for me, the the biggest key, obviously with Cater's pressure, is that Giga needs to sit down on kicks. You know, when you're and you're a guy who has to kick, you need to set your feet. Like you, you can kick someone walking backwards, but it's you're not going to be able to put much behind it. You can't really put those hips into it, and you can't um, you can't really turn over because you're you're moving backwards. You know, and as soon as Giga started taking all those steps backwards. There was no chance he would ever be able to throw a kick that could really hurt Calvin Cater. And I think that's pretty much what won Cater. That fight was just that relentless pressure of not allowing Giga to manage that, or not allowing Giga to sit down on his strikes and use that explosiveness. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you could kind of see what was going to happen in the first round, and that was it. Well, the first round, actually, was a bit of a surprise. Like, there was, like, not a lot of strikes thrown. Well, put him to the ground. Some fucking water or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he slipped and they got him to the ground. Like, I mean, that was a little interesting. Um, but the second round, actually, I got a little nervous in that second round because I'm pretty sure Chikaze was actually like hitting more of his strikes against Cater. He had a good second round, if I remember correctly. After the second round, I truly thought that it was Giga's fight because I was like, all right, we'll give Cater the first round because Giga slipped. Right. And he fell on top of him, whatever. And then Giga came out with a nice second round. I was like, okay, this is going. He's going to start picking these rounds up. Because that first round was kind of a weird one where he slept. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. He's, he wins the second round, and I thought, this is his fight now. Obviously, I was just dead wrong. Yeah, I wonder if he hurt. Like, I wonder if Giga kind of hurt himself, too. Like, maybe off the slip or something like that. Because, like, I mean, I know you said, like, he has to set his feet, but, like, and things like that but like it just didn't really seem like his kicks were really there like you you know so like I don't know like I just it just didn't really seem like they had the same powers they usually do against other opponents um maybe because Caters is a tank or whatever but I thought Keegan may have maybe hurt himself like within those early rounds and maybe that's why he just wasn't as effective it's possible but I feel like he's not a guy to make that excuse either yeah even if he was he's not he's not I lost right right He's eight shit. He showed how tough he was, and obviously he's got. He's still gonna. Uh, he's gonna come back and fight some of the best guys in the division again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I mean, who knows? Just could open a new Giga, a new Giga, a Giga. Jesus Christ, a new Giga, and it, we could see uh, him just start dominating those top five, top ten guys. I mean, he's definitely fought. He's obviously fought really good guys, but Calvin Cater is quite a step up compared to some of the competition he's had in the UFC. Really, honestly, shout out to Calvin Cater. I mean, he hadn't fought in a year. I, I mean, like Lee or Andrew. Jeez. You're both late. But Andrew said earlier, <laughs> maybe he needed that year off after that Holloway fight. I mean, and I definitely hear every, like every little bump and bruise, probably not so much, but maybe to get back to where he needs to be mentally and emotionally before a fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so with that, for me, I finished a, I finished the, um, the card three and five. Um, that's two rough cards in a row for me personally. Um, we can call it four and five if we count that parlay I put in, but I didn't say that on the podcast. So I don't know if we can officially count that, but my betting record was four and five. Yeah, uh, I was, was one and one. Man. That's bullshit. Was a one. I know one and two on the podcast, two and two uh, in real life. <laughs> I was three and five. So I do feel that. that yeah. Oh, when it comes started... to MMA betting, that's not that bad. No, <laughs> MMA betting's hard. Yeah, we all know I, that. Yeah, I think Cater really saved my night. Cater really saved my night. That's all I'll say. Cater ruined mine. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> now I'm happy for him. It was a. Uh, I like Calvin Cater. Um, it just yeah did not see that coming. Right. Um. Okay, so let's see. Uh, well, real quick, go over some news that I was I was hearing um, about this. Uh, so they they came out with a little bit more de- details about the like the the fire the Molotov cocktails that were thrown into McGregor's bar over the weekend or the was it a week ago or whatever. So I guess they threw Molotov cocktails in the bar with people inside. How nice! And I guess this stems from McGregor punch. Like the rumor is that that. This stems from McGregor punching an old mobster in the face. Oh, that, that video. Old dude? Yeah. And I've like, seen that video. That video is a cl- that's an old ass video, too. Well, he did it again. He's done it twice. Oh my God. <laughs> He's punched two old guys in the face at a bar. One of them just ended up being a very famous Irish mobster. Oh my God. He's going to get killed and, by IRA. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I guess they threw Molotov cocktails in the bar. With people inside, like patrons inside. And I guess that, you know, they were like, well, if there's a bomb and if there's a fire in the bar, people have to run out. So they put pipe bombs outside the front door. What the fuck? And they didn't go off. Oh, that's God. Jesus. How nuts is that? And I guess they thought that McGregor was there. He was there earlier that night. He wasn't there late when they did this. But like, Holy shit. It's absolutely bananas. Well, no matter how crazy you think you are, there's always somebody crazier. Just stop, like... Stop hitting old dudes in bars. Yeah, for real, dude. Stop punching mob... Yeah, don't do not do that. Come on. Or just don't punch people in general. His hands are registered weapons. Like, what the fuck do you think is going to happen, dude? Yeah, just an absolutely wild story coming out of Ireland. Um... And then what also did uh, what's that? What a fun country! 
It's cooking hammered, Molotov cocktails, pipe bombs, you know. <laughs> Everyone's hammered, probably. Well, like, right now, everyone is hungover. It's Friday. <laughs> They're living life. <laughs> okay, so. Sorry. To the Back to, like, MMA news. Um, so, Henry Cejudo came out saying that he thinks that he deserve, he should get a, a title shot at um, – what was it? Volk? Alexander Volkanovsky in the featherweight division. Um, well, he's retired, so just fucking right. drop it. As much and as Dana White, Cejudo, that's... You love Cejudo? Dude, he's an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. How can I not love him? No matter how cringe he is, I'm forced <laughs> to love that man. Just, oh, my God. he just He's like if Elon Musk was a fighter. Hey, hey. I don't Elon know what you have against here, Elon Musk. Okay? I really he's so cringy. Understand. He's so nerdy. He's a cr- he's just That's a cringe guy. Points. That's yeah. the fucking point, dude. He's a nerdy motherfucker who runs a multi-billion dollar company. Like, of course he's gonna be a fucking nerd. He runs We're getting off topic. <laughs> We're getting off topic. But well, anyways. Okay, so as much as I would love to see that fight, I I'm talking about the fight. No, I know. Uh, I thought you were rolling your eyes or something, uh, like you usually do. Anyway, <laughs> I would I would have liked to see that fight after he beat Dominic Cruz two years ago. Not right now. Like you, you retired, you've been out of the sport for two years. Uh, I, uh, either either actually come back or just stop doing this because you've been talking about this for two years. Is, All due respect. Cejudo's Cejudo's like point of contention was that I'm not going to GSP this. So like he was saying, okay. I'm going to win this belt and then I'll keep it and I'll hold on to it. And that was an issue with him in the past where he said, you know, I'm coming to save the the flyweight division, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm winning this belt and I'm going to revive it. And then he instead went up to Bantamweight, fought a guy who probably didn't deserve to be there. Let's be honest. There were other contenders. And then Barton, no, I'm sorry. One, so he you know he won the he won the bantamweight and then defended that once. Didn't defend the flyweight belt. Yeah, he beat. Yeah, who did he beat for flyweight? Was it was that a defending the flyweight against Dillashaw? Oh, yeah, he beat Dillashaw. Went up to Bantam. Ooh, beat excuse Marais. me. Beat Morais and then beat uh, Cruz. Cruz, right? And then yeah. immediately retired. Uh, yeah, then retired. So he never he never defended. One of the belts. He only no, defended... He defended both of his belts. Did he? He beat Demetrius Johnson. Mm-hmm. Defended it against Dillashaw. Remember Dillashaw cut down... Yeah, but Dillashaw, Dillashaw wasn't even Dillashaw in that division. 25. Right. So what I'm saying... Uh, okay, so I did have that wrong. But my point being is that he can't say that he was a savior of a division when his only title defense was against a guy who wasn't in the division and then yes, left the division. Yes, he was. He, weighed in he, he cut down to it, but there the were division. other contenders in the division. There was no other contender. What do you want? It? There's how many 125ers were there before? You already beat they got that, man. dude. I mean, before that, like it was just Demetrius Johnson. I mean, literally, he was. No, I understand that. To like, create hype for the division. Mike's pissed. You got Michael pissed off. <laughs> no, because. If he's weighs in at 125 and fights at 125, he's in the division. That's literally yes. what it, you can't you can't fight at 125 if you're not in the division. Oh shit! All right, well, <laughs> fuck it. By that logic, Israel Adesanya middleweight. 
Heavyweight, light heavyweight. Technically, he, he's he's both that. What are you? <laughs> no, I'm just what are you talking you about? I'm just pissing you off. <laughs> talking about? My That's junior what... year of high school, I wrestled 132, 138, and 145. Okay, which one am I? Which one am I? I'm all three. You oh. should be in two divisions. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that he he didn't keep his word the first time, so why should Dana trust him this time? Oh, why would he? He, he left. He's gone. He's gone. Why would he believe him? Regardless of he said he was going to do what he said. Ah, Jesus Christ. Would it be fun to watch that fight? Yes. But Two years ago, yeah. I don't know about now. Yeah, but as the right is now, really good. Volk is. is really fucking good, man. I mean, when you so when you defend or when you <clears throat> go against Holloway twice and beat him both times, you got yeah. some, uh, you know. Yeah. That's a pretty that's pretty reputable right there. So just in that itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I forgot to I forgot to say, did you guys see that um who is Giga Chikate is suspended indefinitely? Huh? He's medically suspended indefinitely. He got beat up so badly. Well they, uh they did that to Cater too, didn't they? Until they determine, like, no, I think Cater has Cater has a, a nasal bone fracture. No, 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 um, after the highway fight. Yeah, they, they, they pretty much put everybody on money. Okay, maybe not indefinitely, but you can always appeal it, and it's not that hard. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But, um, but I, this, this is my first time, I will say, it's my first time hearing indefinitely. Same, I don't think because I think Cater was given like six months. It's suspend like medical suspension. I didn't hear indefinitely. Yeah, it's been upgraded to indefinitely. I thought you were gonna say it got caught with like steroids or something. Though. Yeah, no, that would be definitely like what? Um, no, it's like it, it's just like I, I guess he went in for an MRI and it didn't go very well. He so. Alex just pointed that earlier. He might actually be hurt. Yeah, that's not a crazy thought, I guess. Huh? Um, obviously, like these fighters, they don't want to talk about what injuries no. they actually sustained because then you know they don't like that being in the news and it being something that they could your you know future opponents could attack it, it's, so. if the bird's got a broken wing you go after that wing right well um, no, no 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 uh shit what is the saying my dad used to say it to me because if you here's in wrestling because they don't tape everything in fighting like like they do sometimes in wrestling you wrestle a kid who has a finger taped or a wrist taped or an elbow taped, you have one of two options. You tape both sides, so both finger or both middle fingers, both wrists, or you tape nothing. Because I remember distinctly in high school wrestling a kid who taped one of his elbows. What the hell did you think I did the entire match? Destroyed his elbow. It's like he never he never had a chance. I knew where his weakness was. You're an animal. Well, but I'm an idiot. But like, I can I can understand why they don't want anyone to know because I was like, oh, he's got a weak right ankle. Yeah, absolutely. Probably go for that ankle, <clears throat> McGregor. What, All right, know, and then his uh, right one or his left one? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> he stepped back with his left. Left. Yeah. 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 I don't know that. that I feel like ball. that image is like seared into my brain. Him just like. The Weidman one seared into my brain. <laughs> uh, they all yeah. are, dude. They're so all just bleh. 
Uh, All right, let's get off this topic. Let's get, let's get off yeah, this topic. Uh, <laughs> Hold um, on, one last thing on that topic. That card was so funny because we were watching it at Andrew's house and uh, Mike O'Malley, no more kicking. I'm done with fucking kicking because Jimmy Crute had torn something. And then the very next fight, first kick, Chris Weidman breaks his leg. <laughs> no more kicking. No more leg. <laughs> Wasn't that the no fight right kick. after he broke someone else's leg too? Yeah, he it was two of his leg in the title yeah. fight. It was just weird. Yeah, um, there's been too many of those. These guys got to condition their shins. Not that I'm one to talk because mine are weak as shit. <laughs> They're purple right now. You need some Tony Ferguson <clears throat> shin shin oh, fucking yeah. strengthening. Uh, Kicks a fucking like metal pole. Sun, yeah, metal pole. He just wraps like on. a towel around it or something. Yeah, no, yeah. he doesn't wrap a towel around it. He just goes straight at it. Dude's a psycho. What an animal. All right. All right, enough with the fucking yeah. feet, legs. We're not talking about this anymore. We won't uh, talk about poop this week, I promise. Why not? <laughs> you muted yourself, you, you dumbass. Oh, if you fucking pleb. I was trying to be respectful while I eat my protein bar and mute, okay? <laughs> it's better if we hear you laughing about your shit habits. And now we know why. It's because you're eating fucking 15 protein bars a day. Just shit it right out. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> You're gross. Sorry, I can't eat dinner until we're done, so I gotta get something. Quick, quick disclaimer, we're not sponsored by Dude Wipes. No free ads. That's bullshit. You gotta get on that, Mike. more Dude Wipes than anyone in this world. Not sponsored by Dude Wipes. No free ads. Although Dude Wipes sponsor us. Um. Anyways, so the, there was a rumor going around for... The um, Masvidal Covington fight. Do we want Masvidal defending the BMF title in that fight? Why not? No. no. So uh, I, here's my thing. Not that Colby Covington is not a, a bad motherfucker because he is. I mean, he's one of he's the second best welterweight in the world, or in the UFC at least. But. I don't know. I feel like it's it's definitely not a gimmick, but I feel like it's something that it was a one time thing. I don't know how to just describe what I'm thinking. It was I don't a know. promotional fight thing. Like it was just like a yeah. It's to make money to too, fight. so I could understand why they would do it. You know, but I I don't know. I feel like they just there's I feel like there's too much bad blood to have uh, like the BMF on the line. Like they hate each just, other. They fucking hate each other. Yeah, that's true. The Diaz, Diaz and Masvidal was like they were like mutual respect. Chummy. Yeah, that that yeah, they were pretty chummy respect. with each other. Yeah, got the rock in the middle, you know. Yeah, it, you know, it it makes kind it of fun. Like a, this yeah. one's like I fucking hate you. <laughs> I actually want to kill you. That, that's that, why I think adding a BMF title would just make it that much better. Yeah. I can see why the UFC would do it, but I wouldn't. If I was Dana, I wouldn't do it. But I'm not Dana, so. <laughs> Dana, if you're listening to this, I know you are listening to this. Dana, dedication. Just like no UFC, no referee, no commission, nothing. Just send location. Send location. Actually, anyone who's listening to this, if you guys are interested in that whole Khabib McGregor thing, there's a documentary on YouTube. It's free. It's like an Ooh, hour and 30 the, minutes. 
I it's called it's oh, called yeah, location. It's oh. L O K A T I O N. And it's an hour and a half documentary. It's really well made. I, I can't remember who made it, but it's you sent it to me, I think. Yeah, it's fantastic. If you ever just want to sit down and kill 90 minutes, it's a whole documentary about Conor, Conor McGregor's rise to stardom, him boxing Floyd, and then how the how the rivalry between him and Khabib came to a head, and then eventually that fight and then could be, you know, jumping in the stands and all that. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. I would, I recommend that hundred percent. Um, so I don't know. Uh, do you guys by his edits, H I Z Z E R edits. If you just look up Conor McGregor versus, or if you just look up location, it's literally like the first thing that pops up. Yeah. But it's L O K A T I O N. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, fully recommend that, that if you guys have a chance to watch it or any of the listeners, all right, so has got 90 minutes to kill. Anyways, speaking of listeners, right now we're going to transition over to our very first interview with the first pro fighter we've had on our podcast, Brian Brian Atkins. And now! All right, our next guest is a mentor of mine. He currently holds instructional belts in Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is a pro fighter with five pro fights, including one bout in Bellator. He currently works as a coach at Dominion MMA in Oswego and is a member of their fight team. Our very first pro fighter interview, Flying Brian Atkins. Coach Brian, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor. Oh, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we so really get, appreciate it. Yes, we'll get right into it. Um, how did how did a young uh brian atkins get into wrestling because we saw that you wrestled for uh, us we go east yeah yeah great uh thanks for asking um yeah i got into it just based off the only sport i got into before high school was soccer and once i got to high school i didn't really care for a competitive scene surprisingly enough i didn't want to get into anything too competitive but um i realized i just tried it out i tried out wrestling my junior year just to see how i like it and uh I realized I enjoyed combat style uh, sports. So that kind of pushed me to jump into it and kind of push further. But with that said, I never would say I was a good wrestler. I was athletic and everything, but I could never say my wrestling was ever uh, at the level of the guys who've been doing it since like elementary year. I wasn't even close, but it was fun for me. That's kind of cool. So like um, we, we noticed then immediately after that, you kind of, started working at a gym with a lot of Oswego East. It looks like a lot of Oswego East guys uh, it, it titled Team No Ego. I believe you yeah. started there in 2011 based on some of the research we were doing. Um, so how did that, how did you go from, you know, you telling us that you weren't necessarily the best wrestler, but you enjoyed it into kind of getting into uh, an MMA gym? Uh, so really, it really happened when, um, since it was only junior, senior year of wrestling, only got two years to kind of get into the combat scene, um, martial arts scene kind of, and uh, I was wanting more. So after I graduated in uh, 2010, I wanted to look for something more. And I watched Anderson Silva and Matt Hughes on like UFC Unleashed. And I saw how dominant they were in their fights. Like my first idea of MMA was like these two dudes going in the cage and just getting jacked up and and destroy but then I watched Silva take out Rich Franklin with such ease Matt Hughes and Frank Trigg one and two I saw those I'm like dang there's guys that go in there they don't have to get beat up like you just show up that skill and that's kind of what attracted me to it in general 
All right. So, I, I mean, with, so you mentioned all, all those guys. Were, were those some guys that, um, you know, that were those the guys that got you hooked? And then were there any guys like from that point forward that you tried to emulate in, in your current style? 100%. Yeah. Um, so since I wrestled, it was like the two years, it was like a general base of like how to shoot a double leg, how to like grapple someone and be in these weird positions I'd never been before. Um, and then watching Matt Hughes, uh, the way he fought, how he was dominant, like he was able to take guys and down. He was like one of those like legends before GSP took over. And then seeing Aaron Silva with his striking and like his elusive movement, that kind of got me interested in like learning the sport of martial arts, like just in general. Like I started with jujitsu at Team No Ego. And when I was with them, um, that was my first coach was the Team No Ego coach, uh, Dennis Hughes. And he kind of got me started um, at that gym. We kind of went hard and like that kind of got me tough. And then I started getting more of the skills. Um, but fun fact, guys, we'll probably get more into it later. But I didn't really become any much of a striker until five amateur fights. in. like I could barely throw a jab without being afraid of what would come if I threw a punch at someone. I would throw a punch and like be worried about it. No one believes me now when I say that, but that's how I started, man, because I never been in a fight growing up, didn't have any brothers or sisters, only child, never had anyone try to knock my head off until I got in there. Real quick, um, for Team No Ego, I, I remember them from back in my uh, kids' club days uh, yeah. for wrestling. I was over at Wabati. Uh, did you ever coach the, the younger guys? No, at that, at that year, at that level, I was nowhere near coaching level. Um, in 2011, so not even close, man. I was uh, I was a student myself, so like that was when I really started getting serious about it. Like, I really and I was still. There were the kids were better than me at that point, so it, yeah. was, it was just kind of jumping into it. And uh, I just trained all the time, so that's kind of what got me to where I'm at today. So I never got to wrestle with the uh, program, but um, they had an MMA um, mm -hmm. MMA team separately. And that kind of shut down after 20, 2012 or so. And that's when I had to move on to other places. So you, you did mention, um, you know, your beginning days in, of being an amateur. Um, so first, I guess, what, what made you decide to actually get into a fight or get into, you know, signing up to get into a bout? Because it's one thing to sign up for a gym. It's a completely different thing to go in and say, all right, I'm going to go fight someone who's actually going to try and hurt me. So what was that deciding factor for you? Yeah, that was quite the transition uh, for me personally. Um, I was not known for anything like this. Like I was the, I was like goofy in high school. I was all about making funny videos and I did like commercials and broadcasting team. I was the last thing anyone expected because I'm such a calm, nice guy and even shy at times. But um, what really got me into that was my coach. He just said one day, he's like, all right, Brian, you're fighting. Because I started training towards the end of 2010 <laughs> so like about oh, like geez. a year or so in my coach he'd seen it he's seen enough he's like all right you, you train every day let's go out there and get a fight and I just said yeah let's do it like at that point so is that when you started is that when you decided that the uh, the YouTube career was over for you um honestly Actually, we, we, we watched some of those videos <laughs> I still dabble and I still um I still have that filmmaking passion like I recently uh re uh relight relit that one um but no like I I just turned my focus like I had just started like my first year of gen eds in college and all that but then I was leaning more towards uh martial arts and uh I first fought March 2011 and uh 
sad enough, I, I did good, but I was afraid of getting hit. So like it went all three rounds and I had this guy in full mount. Like you guys know, that's one of the best positions. Mm-hmm. I just looked at him because I was like, oh man, <laughs> I got to hit this guy. What if he gets up? So I lost that decision based on just not doing, not going after the guy. So my first fight, I lost it. Um, we guess something was tough, dude. He was like a football player, big guy. Um, but I look good, but people are like, I don't know if this is for Brian. He didn't look like he wanted to be in there because if you, there's footage, I think it's hard to find, but there's footage of the, me throwing a kick and missing and then just turning my face completely away. Cause I'm like, this guy's trying to hit me. Oh my gosh. And the only reason I didn't get hurt in that fight is because I didn't have to do a double leg. So it okay. saved me from getting completely obliterated. So let's do yourself a little bit. So one right, so, question I had, um, just you talk about, you know, being a, a little scared to strike and whatnot when you were first starting out, like outside of that, was there any like actual fear going like a, afraid of getting knocked out, afraid of, you know, being embarrassed or whatnot, anything like that, or just kind of like, Oh, screw it. Like, here we go. Yeah. Um, me personally, my first fight, all of that fear and anxiety was there. All of it. Man. Um, at this point, though, like there's still a bit of it, even with the experience. But now I'm more seasoned, obviously. But back mm-hmm. then, like people literally were concerned for me going into this type of uh, sport because they're like, what is this guy doing? This is Brian. What's he doing? So, yeah, all of it was there. And um, I always tell like I tell my fighters now, like guys on the fight team with Dominion, we tell them all the time. I remind them the adrenaline dump hits you because of the crowd and the crazy energy. It's the craziest energy you can imagine. And then when you know friends and family bought tickets to watch you mm-hmm. per- personally, that's what really gets the people. The fighting's whatever at this point, but it's it's the crowd and the environment that mm-hmm. that's what gets people. The adrenaline dump and the fear. And the outside factors. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I I mean you've we we look through like a lot of amateur. Uh, or we, we looked through your amateur record and stuff, and you fought kind of you fought across a bunch of promotions. Um, there's got to be some you got to have a decent story about, um, like some crazy happening or like some horror stories, good or bad, anything. I got all of them, Andrew. I have so many. I had 15 amateur fights, and not all of them are on record because there is a time before the commission got involved. Uh, there's like six fights I had that aren't even listed. Um, He's fighting yes, in the I back do. alley of a bar. <laughs> Dude, a biker garage or something. All these random areas for some amateur fights, but the craziest story, one that is still talked about by my team and coaches today, my buddies still talk about it, was when I fought for my, was it my, was it my second amateur title, I believe. No, no I was fighting for like my third amateur title. So this was a big one because it was in Kankakee and I was the number two amateur lightweight at the time. This is in 2015. And I was taking on the number one amateur lightweight. And the thing with him, his name was Nico Boom Boom Jefferson. Me and him are homies now. He's a great guy. He's got kids. Boom Boom, his name was that because he knocked people out. Like, still, he knocked them cold out. And you didn't see that a lot of amateur. Like, sure, it happened. But, like, he was known for it. And a part of most promoters knew they're like, okay, this is a big test for Nico because the guys he was fighting, they weren't, uh, they were tough guys. Like, don't get me wrong. I knew a lot of his opponents, all tough guys, but everyone knew me as like a well-rounded all around guy at this point in 2015. I've been in it for a minute. 
And me and Nico fought, but leading up to the fight, there was all this hype and uh, getting to the fight when I, my family, friends, and like uh, team were there with my t-shirts on, they were being threatened the entire night. Like people were threatening to hurt them. It was a serious for an amateur fight because that's how big it was at the time. And there was a promotional video they filmed, a documentary for Nico fighting me. And the whole night people were telling me and like my friends, after Nico, Nico's gonna knock him out, he's gonna be out cold. And then someone came up to me and they said, after Nico knocks you out, I'm gonna knock you out. And they didn't say it that nicely, they said a little bit meaner than that, but they're saying everything, man. And that, you know, like I told you about the nerves and the crowd, that was my test because this was one of my last amateur fights. That was my test to see what I had in me. And it gets better. When the main event started, we were the main event, headlining the, the whole card, the amateur card. Um, as I'm walking out, somebody chucks a beer at my face uh and my face doesn't change it's just stone face and then um somebody throws a punch at one of my cornermen and then uh my coach smacks this guy smacks his hat off my other um teammate his name is josh streaker he's uh he fights a belt or he trains at jackson link right now he uh he goes and punches somebody and then uh, one of my other friends is fighting. So my corner men are all fighting as I'm walking out for my fight. So these guys are getting at it, throwing punches. I have beer on my face and I just keep a stone face because in my mind, I'm like, I cannot lose tonight. This is for the belt. And I've been told all these things like you're not going to win. He's going to knock you out. So it was all like a test for me mentally. Um, but yeah, my corner were fighting as I was walking out for that fight. Um, do you guys know the result of that fight? Did you did you see catch that one at all or no? Man, I, I don't know. We we <laughs> we poured through quite a few fights of yours. Um, that one's tougher to find because my name isn't linked to it. It's under um it's it's under rank fight night, so it's under a random name because it was for a documentary. Um, but it was a five round title fight against the number one guy. I won every single round. I'm I got maybe I almost got hit once. Cause I did not want that guy to touch me anywhere on my face. Mm -hmm. He's a monster. Nico, like shout out to you, Nico, if you're ever, if you watch this, but he's a monster. He, uh, I took him down. I wrestled him crazy enough. I wrestled him through, through, I think I threw like a, like a um, cartwheel kick just to throw something weird at him. But in the <laughs> fifth round, every round I ended it on top in a good position, but I wanted to save my energy for the fifth round, just in case that guy caught me lacking. So in the fifth round, I bring him down, take him down, catch one of his kicks, and I get into full mount. This time, unlike my first fight, you already know what, what it was all about. I started throwing hands, throwing my strikes. Um, I looked at the ref at one point, like, come on, we're going to end this, and I kept going. And uh, I TKO'd him in the last round for the belt. Now, here's the thing, though. The, uh, the promoter, the announcer, the and everybody – if I hadn't finished them, they were terrified. I could tell terrified to give the belt to someone else unless it was decisive. Because yeah. after I won the belt, as soon as um, they raised my hand and wrapped the belt around me, the riot started in the, in the facility in Kankakee. Someone threw a table. Some people threw chairs. Security came out. I had to stay in the cage with Nico. Um, that's how big it was. So since I won, there was a riot. So my title link caused a riot in Kankakee and people still talk about it but how did it feel getting that belt wrapped around you like I see people like 
just in the UFC and just in Bellator, like when we're doing research on guys, like, and I, they're like, some guys are like crying. Like some guys are like, they just feel like they're on top of the world. Like, can you just like walk me through that? Like, I just, I've always wanted to know like how electric and how exciting that must feel just to get someone just to wrap that belt right around your waist and just feel like you're on top of the world right there. Yeah. It's, it's very rewarding. Um, it's such different scales to it because it's an amateur fight, but at the end of the day, you you bust your butt for weeks on weeks. And since I knew who I was fighting was a knockout artist, it was more fuel. And then all the talk and trash talk once the day came, that was what made it even more uh, rewarding. Because there's one picture of my buddy, Eric Rodriguez, he was taking my photos at the time. Um, he took a photo and you guys might've seen it at some point but it's one of my best photos where I'm screaming with both my hands up and I got the belt around me. And I was also screaming because the crowd at that time, they were all against me besides my people who've been threatened all night. So I was screaming for them, for everyone. And I'm not like one of those guys that I'm not a hothead or I don't scream very often, but when I do, it's from a fight or a win. Yeah. It's actually, that's your, that's like the picture that they have of you for your tapology.com. Yeah, that's the one one I was, I I saw that one. So as soon as you said that, I knew exactly which one you were talking about. Yeah, that looks, you look, you look pumped. (laughs) You look pumped. That one, the whole time up to that, my facial expression until the finish was just stone cold from the beer getting thrown at me. My face did not change. I went into this zone, man. That's one thing about fighting. You get into this zone. And then when you, uh, when you feel red, when you feel the finish, it's hard to explain, man. It's just one of those things. You don't even hear anything. It's just you just go so it's fun all right so i got i got two main things out of that one um what is it i need one of those shirts because i saw those those yeah. are sick <laughs> and, oh, yeah, two, that was a good one. two third amateur belt not a big deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so actually yeah, we wanted was- to talk we wanted to talk to you about the one you won in 2016 the more mma classic nine title win one of my favorites that was honestly I, I that was the one of the most decisive wins i have seen in a title fight in general i would say so i mean Thank you. tell us about that one yeah that was actually my very last amateur fight my very last amateur fight um that's a good story too so that was against samaguchi and uh, that man had so many fights, has so many fights. He's a pro now as well. But um, with him, um, the big thing was he is a submission artist. So he is very good on the ground. His jujitsu is a lot smoother than mine. If we were to straight grapple, he would give me issues even today. Um, he's, he's awesome. Um, I fought him. I went into that fight because uh, I thought I was going pro after I fought Nico. But when we just talked about it, I was... So I took a hiatus where I was out for a bit and then my belt went vacant. So then Sam fought one of my teammates, um, Donnie Simpson for the title that I, uh, that I left cause I was going pro at the time. And, uh, he submitted Donnie, I think in the second round with the triangle choke, it was, it was smooth. I was there for it. And then I went up to the promoter, Ed Waltz, and I was like, I'll do one more. I want to fight Sam. So I want to fight the guy cause he, he beat my buddy. But that submission, I'm like, I like the matchup against him because I'm a grappler too at heart. Like at the end of the day, I, I'm most comfortable on the ground. And uh, they set up that fight against Sam. And I went to that fight probably the most confident I'd ever been for any fight. 
I just pushed myself. I'm like, okay, let's do one more amateur. Let me get my belt back again and then go pro. So that one, I went in there, just a really strong mindset. I, I was keeping track of my, like my heart rate and everything. I was going all in for that one. And, uh, I was told by a, I was told by another coach. He, he's more of a fan than anything. He wasn't my coach, but you know how there's critics everywhere. And he was, he was going around saying, yeah, Aikens is good, but if he takes Sam down and he's in his guard, he's not going to win that fight, this and that. So the reason in that fight, I kept taking him down and staying in guard. was, it was a little bit of like an ego thing. Like it was like, okay, I can't beat him on the ground. I know ground too, but I have punches now. So that's why it looked so decisive because I was trying to prove a point there, which I did because Sam is, um, he's one of the toughest guys locally out here. So it meant a lot to take him out and to have someone throw in the towel. Like I, my amateur career, I won in every way possible. And that was the way they, it was like a ref stoppage towel thrown in kind of thing. So that made me happy. And me and Sam are cool too now. Like me and him, we, we keep up on Facebook and stuff from time to time. All right. So then after that, obviously, like you said, you went pro um, and then you ended up, you know, trying, you went pro while you were working at a Walgreens and oh, yeah. you were also, and then you eventually ended up working at a UFC gym. You're training full time. Um, you know, like if, if you could explain, like, what was it like balancing all of that, um, you know, on top of trying to be a pro? It's, it's, uh, it's hard. Like, um, like the guys in UFC, it's like their job to fight only. So they get to focus on all the nutrition. Uh, they focus on one thing when you have to balance a lot of other outside things like most fighters do in their early career. Um, it's challenging. It's stressful. You're um, like when you're working out of Walgreens or something, your manager and your instrument, uh, he doesn't care when your fight is or he doesn't care you got to train or you're sore so you just got to like power through that it's a more of a mental test at that point but I remember being so frustrated when I wouldn't get certain days off work I'd miss my training or like I'd always it's either I work all day train all night or I work all night and have to train during the day it was just it's just the grind like I used to say all the time embrace the grind so that was just that's the main way to put it it's just the grind and you just if you really want it you make it happen. Yeah, so um, we, we have to talk about your second pro fight. Um, oh, yeah. Just a huge, like, I, I'm, I, I, want, I want the full story of, like, how you ended up getting approached for this. Like, obviously, it was in Chicago. Um, so, like, just the whole fight thing, like, the whole, the whole process, like, just take us through your, your first fight in Bellator. Yeah, the Bellator fight. So that it's interesting how that works. So with Bellator, like with my name as an amateur, like everyone I fought and everything, and then even my first pro fight, um, when Bellator is in town, say like they go to the Allstate Arena or whatever, and they have that show, when they fill up the prelims, they're looking for guys that are pretty decent and guys that they know sell tickets and have a, a decent name locally. So that was a big thing that got me on that card. And my opponent, Mike De La Vega, same thing for him. He was from a, a gym, a big gym locally. Um, and uh, that's how we got matched up. So two local guys that they know sell tickets and have decent skill. Um, that was that was a complete trip, man. Like being in Allstate Arena, 
being right next to King Mo and Rampage, Brian Bader was in the hotel, Chael Sonnen was commentating, and um, and Stitch Duran wrapped my hands. Like my coach saw Stitch Duran in the corner and he's like, you want him to wrap your hands? And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, he like st- stepped aside. He's like, yeah, go go have, have at it. That dude's in the Creed movies, man. Like seeing all these people that I see on TV, like being around them showed me how close I am to that level or you know how like it's not as far as I thought so it kind of woke me up a little bit just experiencing that atmosphere of everyone I usually just see on tv well I want I want to go off that real quick um so you talk about the walking out and that uh the fight with the beer thrown at you and your, your whole corners fight in the crowd um you know the mindset of there's a clip of Mike Tyson talking about walking into the ring. You know, he's in the locker room. He's scared to death. And by the time it progresses, it progresses, he gets to the ring. He's a God. So I, I basically, are there any thoughts between that? There are differences from the perspective of that first fight mindset to, you know, your last one or Bellator in Chicago, like, you know, uh, is just stone cold, same kind of thing, like it, the whole time. Uh, yeah, it was very similar just because of the stage and level it was um, that uh, it kind of brought me back to like my first fight, like uh, Bellator, man, like Michael Chandler, it was been my one of my favorites for a while. And to see him like up on like the, the they have like all the chain, they had all the champions up there to see that and to be one of the guys walking in that same cage, just looking down at my Bellator gloves all of that brought me back like holy cow this is it you're here so like it uh it brought nerves like there were a lot of nerves for that one also because i was the first prelim fight so the first fight on the whole card and um i was rushed out because they they started at a different time and they smoothed me around so like i kind of warmed up i kind of didn't my friends and family weren't all there or they were walking in as my second round started so it was kind of rushed out there so that threw me off for one and then um just seeing Chael Sonnen and Mark Beltran with the long beard as my ref I was so starstruck man I don't want to have any excuses of distractions but all that at once just taken in as like holy cow so it was a fun fight I lost the decision because Mike De La Vega he's a talented fighter um He's uh, good on the ground, good Muay Thai striking. I caught him in the first round with a heavy right hand, and I had him hurt a little bit, but that guy is just resilient, man. He was the first person to ever cut me in a fight. So I didn't get any cuts until I turned pro. He landed up elbow in the first round, and that kind of that kind of woke me up a little bit. But it was a great fight. There's no footage anywhere. There's just pictures, but it was a great fight, good experience. And so that kind of brings us into, um, you know, kind of one of the bigger, um, I guess, roadblocks in your career, I guess we could say would be, yeah, that I, um, so what, what exactly happened that caused this? And then, um, you know, just take us through the, the rehab experience and like what you must've been thinking throughout that. Yeah. 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 I've definitely, I'm used to talking about it. It's been, I've definitely gone through it a lot. Um, what happened to me was in 2017, it was like November, 2017, I was sparring for my first main event pro fight. I was headlining HFC 
35, I believe, AJC 35 at the Horseshoe Casino in Michigan City, Indiana. I was fighting Corey Jackson and about two weeks left of my training camp. I'd healed up all these injuries. Like I dislocated a finger and sparring. I busted up my knee. I healed all these injuries that you would think would pull someone out. I healed a few of them. And then out of nowhere, my vision started acting fuzzy, like in my left eye. It started acting weird. Um, and I knew something was up because this was a during like, like it's November. So like the holiday season and things like that. But uh, my retina detached from a kick that landed in sparring. It wasn't a hard kick. It was just someone's toes touched my eyeball. And that's all it took, like their toe, like hit a certain spot and uh, it caused a slight tear in my retina. It's really wild how that happened. The science behind the retina is so wild. I've become an, an eye expert in the past like three, four years, but it detached in sparring. And then I was losing more vision at it like every uh, couple of days. Um, and what happens when the retina detaches, it causes a tear. The tear just gets a little bit bigger. And the doctor, he explained it to me like a poster on the wall that's falling down, like that's slowly falling off the wall. That's your vision. So your retina sends the images to the brain. Mine was damaged. And I kept training because I'm like, I healed up all these injuries. I'm not pulling out of this fight. But I knew there was something going on in my retina. And I didn't know for sure it was retina until after the fight. And I pushed through it, man. I fought the entire three rounds of that fight with one eye which is wild. It sounds pretty BA, I know, but like, yeah, it was, it's wild, man. And I'm still recovering to this day. Like if I close this, my, my right eye, I can only, I'd say about, see about like 45% or so, but um, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a big step back. And you're like, I, I was uh for a second there, I thought you were going to do the Michael Bisping and pull your eye out. Like do that. <laughs> oh man, I didn't let it get that bad. But Bisping disobeyed every rule that you're supposed to follow. He yeah, went on I can imagine. You can't do that. He, I mean, he was already at the tail end of his career winning the title and everything. So I would have done the same thing at that point. But yeah, he 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 disobeyed every rule. I kept track of everyone who's ever had this injury. I've researched all of them. Like Sugar Ray Leonard had it. Um, a lot of guys have had it. Um, Errol Spence, the boxer, he currently is dealing with the retina tear. Um, but it's just one of those things, man, like it, it's rare, but when it happens, it's, it can end a career. It just depends on the person. So that injury is actually, I believe you said what propelled you into coaching. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. That's what, uh, cause at, at one point, cause they told me I, I was done. Like they say, your career's over, never fighting again. There's no way like it, it's over. Do not jump in a cage fight again, which what doctor is going to tell you to keep doing what, <laughs> They don't care if you're flying Brian or you're a pro. They don't care. They don't know any of that. I could show them whatever pictures and videos, whatever. They're not really going to see it that way. They're seeing it as a doctor because they put in all this work to get it back to normal. So I respect them for like, because I had a great, great doctor work on my eye, literally reconstructed. Um, you're awake for every surgery. They went in, my, went in my eye, put a buckle around it. They lasered it. I had seven surgeries altogether within that breeze so it was a lot a lot of trauma to this one eye man and one of the most painful things in my entire life like the pain is it's different these are one of the things where you know uh dana white would say like oh so you want to be a fighter huh like, yes like this is absolutely insane <laughs> 
And I get all these messages on Facebook. Hey, bro, I want to start fighting. I want to get into it. Like, okay. Um, it's a sure? lifestyle. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Like, I, yeah. like, so it's a, it's, I don't, I'm, I'm better about it now. Like, uh, from coach, different type of mindset, but like, man, if you I used to roll my eyes, at those men, like, like you, you, you think, you know, but like, there's a whole lifestyle. You got to be serious about it. And even with all that, man, it shows I'm, I really want to do this because I still want to fight. Like, I still want to get a few more in me, even with the, the setback and the injuries and, you know, the variables that are always there. I, I feel like MMA has got to be the most all in sport. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just you out there. Yeah, you got coaches, you got cornermen, but it's just you. You got to be all in, zero doubts and everything. It's so crazy. No what, yeah. Injuries still happen even when you're all in. It's one of those sports, man, high risk. So things still happen. And um, it's just, uh, it's all part of it. Like uh, mm. I've come a long way since that first injury, since that first fight in general. So I really, I appreciate the sport for what it's given me and the, the drive that it gave me. It gave me a little more of an outlet. Like that was why I got into it originally. Not only because I I got a little bit of wrestling and wanted more, but it was an outlet, something that could distract me or uh, help me deal with those outside stresses in life, really. So you talked about outlets a little bit, and um, I, I you know you're you're around it all the time, right? You're you're still technically you're an active fighter, you know you're a coach, you work full time at a gym. Um, fighting has basically become you twenty four seven. So you mentioned video editing and stuff like that, but what's something that you do that just gets you like if you need a break from it if you need to get away like what's what is what does brian do to get away um definitely uh pretty simple pretty simple um naturally you could say i'm an introverted person i know coaching wise it's the opposite thing that you get to see but uh naturally introverted person but i i've had the same like friend group since like elementary school so like I'll be with my friends. Um, I'm a big film guy. Also, I like editing, but I'm a big film guy. So I'll watch films. Um, like I'm, I'm just one of those guys. Like I watch film. I even like some Xbox. Play some Call of Duty, Halo, whatever. I like to keep it simple. And uh, yeah, not too much though. Usually, like when I'm around friends or like I go out to parties or something, which is far and few between. People want to talk to me about fighting. And like, I'll do it for a little bit, but after a while, when you're around it so much, you're like, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about, I don't know, Star Wars or something. Let's Literally just, anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at yeah. this point, it's like when it's, when it's involved and it's your life, it's like, it's cool. I get that we can talk about it. Cause like we're doing right now, like I can have a full conversation about it cause I've been around it. But at the end of the day, if I'm trying to chill out, I'll tell, I'll, I've told friends like, okay, Let's talk about the pizza we're about to eat. I don't know. Like, <laughs> have you experienced this? Like, I haven't because I haven't really like been in any sort of martial arts. But I know that my friends that are, do people constantly challenge you? Like, in like kind of like a joking kind of way, like in a sense of like they like try to pretend to wrestle you or like they try to go for a takedown and like you know what I mean? Like, I know like in my mindset sometimes that ha like when I know friends that are like heavily involved in MMA or like jujitsu or anything like that. My first reaction is like, I want to wrestle them just for fun. Like just to like yeah. fuck around. But like, do you get that yeah. often? Does that happen to you a lot? Um, <laughs> like, uh, no, 
like before <laughs> I got into it before I got into it I used to wrestle my buddies and like the basement and stuff and they'd always be surprised how like okay I would do but once I got into it for real it's all just been this like I, I <laughs> the joke about it because I, I went out for a buddy's birthday and there's always my friends there's a few groups of friends that will joke about it but like my main like my close friends they don't even joke they won't go there at all they just know like they just they know like they're not even gonna fake they can't fake wrestle me like i would wish somebody would do that like sometimes i'm like come on guys let's do a little no they know (laughs) they've been to the matches that they don't even joke about as much anymore like you know those acquaintance friends they'll joke about it but my friend friends will be like stop they'll look at them stop so, <laughs> not a so good idea <laughs> yeah i've had it to the i've had things where like i've gone out places and my friends will like someone will stop me to get a picture or something which is crazy i don't think like i'm a local big name i guess you could say but like i've also had things where like people will approach me like like with like wanting to have an issue with me like just because of that and I've had the friends of those people stop them and say, leave that guy alone. You don't, <laughs> don't do that. Also, he's the nicest guy here. So really don't do it. Yeah, it, it it'll happen. Not only time. will he kick your ass, he'll say like, he'll be nice to you afterwards. Like, <laughs> the, ears, the ears send off a warning too. So, <laughs> so getting back into coaching, um, it's something that me and my brother both have gotten into. Um, it's something that we've experienced and we've experienced, you know, there's, to say it in the, the the simplest way possible, there's highs and lows to it, right? There's good and bad days. Um, you know, like what what was the biggest challenge for you transitioning from being a fighter into coaching, and how what what's your what's the difference in the mindset between preparing someone for a fight and you yourself preparing for a fight? Yeah, that's a that's the biggest challenge because um, everyone's different when it comes to preparation. Some people got to hear. How good they're doing some people got to hear um what they need to work on and some people got to hear a little bit of both um and then when it comes down to it when the cutting weight and mental preparation people react to it differently some people it hits them hard and they anxiety steps in and you, it's just like it's about bringing yourself back since i've experienced these things it's bringing myself like down to that level again and remembering what i went through and the things i still currently go through when it comes to that and being able to like dissect it for that person and you don't want to make it too much about how it was for you like whether me a coach a fighter previously you gotta feel how they're feeling about it because everyone's different like a good example of that is for me and when my coach would uh, talk to me before fights we have to talk casually like this like nice and calm like it's not a big deal that's that's what works for me but you see like other fighters and even guys i've trained with I see all the time. They got to be hyped up, yelled at. This is your night. Let's go. We're going to kill that guy. I just got to have a casual conversation. I got to talk like this with my coach to be in the right mindset, and then I'm ready to go. I don't need any of that Clay Guida and his brother slapping in the (laughs) face kind of thing. I Nope, not a big deal. Just another Saturday night. Let's go handle it. It was different. Yeah. uh, So – for hockey, at least, like for me, um, like it, it's I still struggle with this today, and I don't know how it, how it differs for MMA, but like when do you know to like 
progress something for a guy as opposed to like or like not progress i guess just to say but like you're hammering something for them and they can't seem to get it or like they just can't seem to get that movement down like so when is like for you when you go okay we need to move on from this at this point or like or or do you just keep are you one of those coaches that just keeps hammering that same thing until they get that repetition done and they get it done correctly like what's kind of like your mindset in that kind of manner it's like a it's an, it's an experiment at the end of the day um you got to see uh it's just knowing the why for that person why you want to do this? What are you testing? Like, is this for being competitive? Is this to be cool? Well, what is your reason? Like, is this your outlet? Is this some, cause at the end of the day, whatever you choose to do, you just be a good one at it. Just be good at whatever you choose. And with a lot of guys, some of them, it's about the social media likes. It's about the, uh, um, like how it looks. It's about looks. Um, for me, when I really think deep in about it, I really like, I got into it over the respect factor, the respect factor, and then the challenge factor. For one, um, for me, I'm a nice guy. A lot of students I know like that actually are taking it serious. They're, they're good people at heart. They're nice. They're uh, friendly people um, generally. Same for me, so I can relate to that. You can tell when someone's more of a hothead and they want to fight and then they get frustrated about all the discipline takes but it really just depends on the mindset so you just got to dissect all right what's your mindset what is your why and what does this mean to you like if you keep doing it so you just it's more about understanding the student the, the fighter whoever it is and knowing their why because that's at the end of the day that's what it is for uh becoming a coach you have to understand understand that for yourself so that's all it is it's so different for people um but yeah there's so many different uh categories for that really Okay. That's good insight. Never really thought about it that way, yeah. I guess, you know, just kind of always just try to hammer it in and then, you know, try to uh, make sure that they get it right. But I guess never thought about their side of it in a sense and what they're trying to get out of it. Yeah. So, and there's, thanks. So there's yeah. a lot of coaches out there that don't get that. And uh, that's why that, that determines the success of that student or how long you have that student because no one really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So at the end of the day, you got to show like that student, that fighter, what it is um, that you're trying to improve in them. And it's up to them to really pull it out and, you know, take full advantage of that opportunity, whatever it is, whether it's just training or getting ready to literally fist fight another dude or chick, whatever it is, you know, you really got to dig deep for yourself. So you don't get in there and get hurt because you didn't take it serious or really take that lifestyle serious. And okay. so we, we kind of glossed over Thank this um, during, your, like, your your purview or whatever. Um, but there were a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, so, like, much like your amateur career, you've kind of fought across a lot of promotions. Um, we were curious as to what's the biggest step in competition. So, like, you're look like, I'm talking, like, you're fighting in the prelims of, you know, some random card in the middle of Idaho. Um, yeah. And then you're jumping into the main event of that or, you know, main event of that to, you know, I don't know, elite XC or whatever. And then we're talking like prelims of Bellator versus main event of Bellator. Like what is the biggest jump in competition that you, that like in your opinion? That's a great question, Andrew. Yeah. Um, biggest jump was amateur to pro immediately. That was the biggest jump um, for some pretty simple reasons. It would be like, now elbows can be thrown at your face. 
no knees can be thrown at your face. Now the rounds are two minutes longer. That two minutes is an eternity. Um, and now, um, now the guys that are pro, they all want to fight. They all actually want to be fighters. When you're amateur, you'll fight some guys, take them out early. They weren't meant to really be fighters. But when you turn pro, those guys, they want to fight. They want to be in the UFC. They want to be champions. So you feel a difference in the competition. Those shots that drop guys in the amateurs, those guys in the pros are still standing there looking at you ready to go more. So that was my biggest uh, takeaway when I turned pro was, okay, these fights are lasting longer. These guys are tougher. Um, you got to really dig. So that was something that put me behind because I won my debut and I lost decision after decision before my injury. So I had these tough fights and I showed that I'm, I'm at that caliber as a pro. But like the biggest difference was just the, which it makes sense, like amateur pro, like, okay, these guys are all pros, but man, that part, that's what hit me the hardest was, wow, these guys really want to fight. So you really got to put it on them. And even then at the end of the day, even if they're still standing there, you got to stay in there just as much as they're in there to get that decision or to find that little like opening that they give. But it's so different. Even at the low level pros, it's such a big jump. And then uh, we also wanted to discuss, um, you know, like the week leading into a fight all the way through your, your you know, your post-fight recovery. So, like, um, I know Mike has experienced this before. I mean, like the weight cuts, um, you know, what's that like? And then coming out the other side of the fight, like what what's the recovery look like? It's very weird. Um, weight cutting, like big weight cuts, um, <laughs> they are unhealthy. I don't care anyone. They are unhealthy, like. It's, uh, it's, 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 your body's not like that. It's not natural, but, um, yeah, getting down to, for me, getting down to 155, um, it's never easy. Um, the lowest I got for a fight and I'm six, one, 175 pounds. The lowest I got for a fight was 149. And that was my pro debut, um, because nobody would fight me at 55. So I had to spend my Thanksgiving cutting weight for my pro debut, just for a guy to take a fight, like a guy that fought at 155 wouldn't fight me unless I dropped extra weight just because of my uh, my resume, I guess. I don't know, just to have an edge maybe because it's a tough, for your debut, you don't want to take a tough fight. And I want to take somebody with, who was also debuting. And um, the weight cut was, it was tough because um, I'm not meant to be 149 pounds. Uh, even getting down to 155, that it can be rough sometimes, but it's just, um, it gets down to the, the passion, the drive you have, because nobody wants to be dehydrated and, and not eat Taco Bell for a little bit. Like I, you miss out on all those things, um, but you have to remember your why, like I was saying earlier, why you do it, what it means to you and what you want to get out of it. So that kind of helps the weight cut. And I appreciate that struggle because it gets you more in zone for the war or the fight you're going to go into. So it's all part of it. It's a good kind of like a mental, mental tester to kind of see where you're at, um, going, going into the fight. And by the last week of the fight, that's all you have to worry about. The training's done. So that kind of helps. Um, but now as coaches, like Coach Tyler and I, we work full-time as coaches. So for us, it's not done then because we still got our coaching and we got to look out for everyone else, our fighters, our students. So there's so much added to it now. It's, it's, a, it's a test, man. It's a big test. Yeah, man. Uh, we're we're gonna have to kind of cut the question short, unless you guys, unless uh, the other two guys have anything else like they want to go over. I have one last one I wanted to ask. 
Um, so like I imagine uh the reward between having one of your fighters win and yourself win and the difference, like the feeling. Um, do you have any difference or sorry, it do you prefer I forgot the wording of my question already. God damn. I think I know what you're saying. Um, basically, I can't I can imagine they're equally rewarding on a different level, like a different feeling. But do you have uh any like not preference, but it one that feels better than the other, given any reason that like I know some people prefer coaching because they want to see others succeed, but then that obviously you're still a fighter, like you want to see yourself succeed and move on to the next level as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the feel, the comparison between those two feelings, man, um, like they're like when it comes to it, like your purpose at the end of the day, like I believe everyone should be looking to, to help others and uh, help others succeed, especially with past experiences. Like a coach, your job is to help others, not just through like the fighting, but the mental stuff. Like what I went through, it feels worth it for uh, to help someone else do better in their journey um but fighting that is my uh that's one of my big passions and there's no comparison to you in there fighting it's so uh it's so out there man like being in there fighting but then seeing like a, a fighter of yours or a student do well whether it's like they ranked up in a belt mm-hmm. and they just they're so happy that you're there to support them um it's really close but different like it it's yeah. tough because uh, I know like coaches I've talked to, they prefer coaching all the way. Mm-hmm. I like them both. Fighting is just a different animal. Like I, I enjoy like being able to push myself, but I also enjoy seeing others push themselves and do things they didn't believe they could do. Like that's, yeah. that's what I said earlier. When I first fought, people didn't think it, it was for me. And to yeah. show that it was, that meant so much to me. So to see that in someone else that might be being told the same thing, like I know students who are told the same thing by like parents, close friends, you shouldn't do that. That's not for you. And I always remind them, your coach was told that mm-hmm. by everybody, by a lot of people, honestly. So they're close. It's uh, I can't rank them, but they're close for yeah. sure. Yeah, of course, of course. That's awesome. And I have one more question. Uh, not yeah really related to you more related to my brother um i, I just want to know, know, know where his skill levels at that's it i mean oh, it's nothing no. really too harsh i just want to know what you think about him um uncut nothing don't be nice here say whatever's on your mind i want to know what you think his skill levels at in the sense of whether it's his jujitsu or it's his muay thai uh where do you think uh he can improve on and where do you think his uh his best attributes lie Andrew, your best attributes. That's a great question. I'm glad uh, I'm glad it was asked. Best attributes. Always wanting to learn and get better. It shows in class. So a big thing uh, with Andrew, he, uh, I, I've been impressed ever since the first day. Like, uh, you just, you're, you literally, you want to get better. And every time I've seen you in class, it's an improvement. So that's something that can't be taught. Someone, someone to be coachable, you can't teach that. And when someone asks me questions after class, during class, that shows you actually care. So that's potential because that's that's how I was. So going into it, like Andrew, I'd say, and I tell this to a lot of students, so I won't lie to you. I tell this to a lot of people, 
and you're one of them, Andrew, I'll tell you, you caught on to some of this stuff faster than I caught on to it when I got into MMA. So that's something that comes from being coachable and uh, being open-minded. Um, so the sky's the limit, honestly. And uh, not just saying that, like, I'd say the biggest things that improve on are, and that's just for everyone that gets into it, and I, I can be the testament to it, is always not overthinking it. Like uh, keeping your mind open, looking at videos, watching fights, being a fan helps improve and uh, getting better at the lifestyle. So yeah, he's on the right track. I'll be honest, he's on the right track and everything I've seen, okay. So you're telling me that he has a good heart, but he doesn't actually know how to do anything. Oh, he knows. He's got <laughs> no, a good, just, good combo. I'm I'm not, no, <laughs> Andrew keeps his guard up. That's like the hardest thing to coach someone. And Andrew was already doing the basics pretty well when he jumped in. So that's something a coach can only uh, pray for sometimes. But that's uh, he's he, he's got it. You just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be good. You'll be good. I, I don't appreciate know if you want to fight though. Do you no. want to fight? No. No. <laughs> no interest. I don't know. None. I've seen. There's there's one thing I've learned throughout my years of playing hockey is that there's always a bigger, badder dude out there, and I don't want to go find him. I'm Always. good. And, and when you fight, you have to train with those dudes. Like, I can't even tell you guys how many times I've been crumpled by people, like like bigger guys. Like, I had a middleweight kick me in the mouth, and he fractured my tooth, and my tooth had to be pulled out. Like, I have a fake front tooth from sparring years ago. Like, there's, you want to be a fighter? Like, there's so much that goes into it. I'm 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 good on that. I I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, when we've been drinking, Mike Mike wants to uh, stop has been it, talking stop about it. Get into that. Not even, no, 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 no. <laughs> cut, cut that shit. All right. I, I was a, a subpar wrestler at best. We're done with all that. Well, this has been great, Brian. Uh, let's let's get into the the two seventy card. Um, I know you you did a little bit of research on this, and we wanted to talk about our picks like you and me will we'll sit around after class every once in a while and talk about you know this card coming up so i figured why not record it um so we'll get it on record here so we'll start with that first fight uh rodolfo Vieira versus wellington Terman. um what are your give me your thoughts i'm looking at it so i got it pulled up here i see um let's see Terman. he looks like the favorite for the fight and i think that's merely based on experience um, these two guys on the on the on the first fight of the card, they would usually be on the undercard. I know very little about Terman. Um, other dude too, but I would go with Terman just based off his attributes. He looks like he's got the reach, but otherwise they're pretty identical uh, when it comes to stature and everything. So I would say Terman just based off of veteran experience, he'd be able to probably edge out a decision. Um, but this other guy could surprise us honestly. But these are guys that. They're looking to get their name in the top 15, I would say. All right. And then uh, on to the next fight, we have Cody Stammen taking on Syed Nurmagomedov. That's a tough one, but um, it's really hard to go against those Dagestani guys. It's really – That's what I said earlier. <laughs> you see that beard, um, you run away. Yeah. Like go the other way. Style, man, um, but Cody, he's – He's a UFC bat, so he could surprise us, but I I would go with Saeed. I would go with him. 
just to dominate. He probably dominated performance, catch him on the ground, get him in a, a lock up, lace up his legs, and just go to town. He he might he might finish that fight. All right. So then, uh, next third fight on the main card, Michael Pereira takes on Andre Fialo. Fialo's t- uh, making his UFC debut here. Um, so I don't know if you were able to find much on him, but um, not much. I I'm I Michael though that guy's flashy. Like he does all this extra stuff, the dancing, the crazy turns, and all that. The way he does, his, he does like a Capoeira style with his kicking. So like I think that guy gets it just based off of flash. Um, I think he's going to be too much. He's going to overwhelm because um, that's a tough UFC debut. Like other than Curtis Blades, my one of my buddies debut with the, uh, taking on Francis when he was uh, a newer name. Other than that, this is up there with like a tough debut fight. That was a sneaky little uh, name drop you just pulled. Yeah, there. for real. That. <laughs> <laughs> good one, guy, Curtis. That's my homie, man. Curtis Blades. That's my guy, man. We'd be, we'd be talking. All right, so the uh, co-main event, we have a title fight, uh, Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. Um, I know us three as five fans are super excited about this, but give us your thoughts. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Moreno just because that these guys have had – these guys are going to have continue to have the trilogy. Like, that back and forth, I think, like, they could fight over and over, kind of similar to the uh, – what's another one? Like, there's another one like this. Um, kind of like Colby and Usman, I don't know, similar to that where like these guys keep fighting for number one and two over and over. But I think Moreno's found his groove as a fighter and a champion. I remember when he started his career, he was very like, he's still a goofy guy, but he's very open about how he felt about himself. Like back when they asked him about like fighting Mighty Mouse, he's like, I don't think I could beat that guy yet. And then years later, we see him as the champ. So I think he's at a good point in his prime his career to hold that belt for a bit now um but figure a, he's he's good it's just um i think he's been figured out by marino i think he's got his number and i think possibly a finish by brandon this time possibly it just really depends like knockout like we're talking like tko like on the ground like stiff as a board like over uh, like they're, they're flyweights they got chins yeah <laughs> Yeah, I it think go all night. <laughs> it's always the fights you don't expect to yeah. be like hail. Like when Mighty Mouse took out uh, Benavidez, um, one of the times we actually caught him and knocked him out, you never see Mighty Mouse get knockouts. So, like, I think this could be uh, Moreno getting like getting his highlight. I think this could be the one. Otherwise, a decision for him would most likely happen. But like, I could I could call it and say maybe he gets the fin- he finds the chin, finds the temple, and finishes him this time. Heard it here first. Coach Brian calls a flatline knockout. <laughs> That'd be so sick, but <laughs> all right. And then the main event, the one that everyone came here for, Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan. I was having trouble making picks on this. I know the rest of the guys were having trouble. Um, give us your thoughts here. Well, you guys know it just as well as me. Cyril Gan, he's um He's got the cleaner, crisper striking. Um, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be sharp. His defense will be good. Francis Ngannou hits ungodly. So I mean, even when his striking isn't spot on, he just touches you. Yeah, he just touches you. Whatever he touched is destroyed. So I I'm gonna pick Gone, but 
one of those fights where Francis can change it, even if he's losing the whole fight, kind of like Derek Lewis. He can just touch you a certain spot, an uppercut, a hook. But I got uh, I got Gaon just based off his clean striking, and um, he can do that for five rounds. And uh, he seems like a pretty uh, mentally strong guy. Same with Ngannou, but I think uh, I think he'll be prepared. Like I think it's going to be a big counter, and I think uh, another finish. I think Gaon catches Ngannou the first one wow. and put like him out. That. I like that. That's a bold prediction. And I love it. it. <laughs> um, but then again, if I'm wrong, then Ganu flatlines him. <laughs> All right. I'm it but, only takes one from him. It only takes one. He punches um, as hard as a. Fight, uh, he paid that last time where he stuffed the takedown and then he's hitting him on the way up. All right. Yeah, yeah he punches his, punches as hard as two motorcycles pulling a horse through the snow. In it was a it was a joke of him hitting pads i think with freddie roach and i'm like listen this guy is trying out for the avengers right now like who who gave him this power but we'll see i got game i think he might catch him all right so i know we're running um we're running up to the end of, of your time here um, it's don't keep you. had 10% battery left. So we're all on. I'm so all right. Just... All right. Yeah. So we, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, so we just want to know what's next for your career. Um, you know, are you going to stick to coaching? You, you actively looking for more fights? Like what's next for you? Um, coaching for sure. Definitely uh, building that career, getting more experience and then learning every day from it. Uh, big opportunities coming there. Um, and then currently in the works for getting a fight March 19th um, for uh, uh, Elite Fight League, or what I think that, yeah, Elite Fight Night. So the AFL, I'm looking to get another fight for them in March, um, probably March 19th. So I think my dad will be in town. So he lives in uh, Albuquerque right now, but my dad will be flying in town. Um, my buddy, Coach Tyler, who I work with, he's looking to get a fight, a few other coaches as well. But um, is with the matchups right, I'll be fighting in March. It's just all about getting back on the horse and uh, going after it. Because my return in August, I took a tough fight against a bigger guy just because I knew he was purely going to wrestle me. And my goal was to try to catch him before he wrestled me. But he stuck to a good game plan and squeaked out that decision. So now I'll be going back to my weight class, 155, instead of a catch weight. I'll be cutting the extra weight, getting back down to where I'm at my best. And I want to test myself there, get a decent opponent, look for my head kick knockout, my guillotine, whatever. I'm going to look for it and uh, see what happens in March. But hopefully I get somebody, fingers crossed, because I've been trying to get a fight since um, since the end of last year. Since August, I've been wanting to get another one and the right one has to come up. So March, hopefully, keep your eyes open on Instagram, Facebook, and we'll see what happens. And what is your Instagram and Facebook, if you wouldn't mind shouting that, or even if you have a Twitter or anything like that? Like, what are your social handles for people to follow oh, yes. you at? Handles, um, Twitter and IG are the same. So my Twitter is b akins ninety two. So that's b a k i n s ninety two. Um, Instagram and Twitter, and then Facebook, just Brian Akins. Um, you'll know which one is me. I literally have the caption under my name. You've heard of me. So you'll know me on Facebook. But yeah, man, those are the handles. And uh, yeah, that's uh, 
all my updates are on there. So anyone else to follow and see what's going on daily, you'll see it on the socials. Right. Yeah, Brian, thank you. This is, this has been great. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we can get another one with you because there are so many more things that we want to know. Um, it's not every day that you really get to pick a pro fighter, uh, pro fighters brain about, you know, things like this. So this has been fantastic. Uh, before we let you go, we wanted to give you time for plugs. Like if you wanted to, you know, tell people anything, I know we just, you just talked about your fight, but if there's any announcements you want to make anything you want the people to know, go ahead. Yeah. Surprisingly, there's not that much. Um, well, Dominion Martial Arts, as you guys know, Andrew trains there, come on out, try out a class. We coach from four years old all the way up to your grandma and grandpa's age. So you come on out, try out classes. And uh, if you're not a fan of me after this interview, become a fan of me. And check me out in March uh, when I fight. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Otherwise, um, um, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, thank this you was so much. Pleasure. Thank you so much for coming out. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, hopefully I'll be seeing you around soon. We're, uh, we're trying to get this whole COVID situation uh, in the household. Yeah. Get healthy, um, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I went through it myself, too. So, yeah, better man. Man. All right, Coach Brian, thank you so much. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, Brian. Peace. Peace out. Nice meeting you guys. And back to the podcast. Whoosh. Thank you. Big thank you to him for coming onto the podcast. Uh, I think that was a pretty good interview. Um so we're going to go into our 270 prelim picks. Um, so for me, I was not very comfortable with this card. Me either. I'll tell you that much. Dude, these odds suck dick. Yeah, rough rough, rough um, pay-per-view card, even though these not technically part of the pay-per-view. Tough. Uh... Oh, God. My it's brain. just tough betting. Like, a lot of the, like, prelims and just a lot of the card besides like the two main events are like just heavy yeah, not, not a like, lot going on not yeah, a, lot a lot of heavy like favorites it's weird because like you know when we make these bets usually we can look at it we, we can usually find at least two or three guys that we can see on any given card and we look at it and we go uh i think odds makers are a bit favorable to him or uh maybe odds makers are underestimating him I didn't see that here. I didn't see many. I saw one fight where I thought the odd makers had it wrong. And everything else looked just about right to me. Or there was nothing like all of the, the fighters that I watched tape on and I watched tape of their opponents and I thought, okay, this is how this fight's going to happen. Those They were all like minus 500 favorites, like Alex was saying. Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah. Honestly, the best you can hope for is like a fat parlay that's gonna get you like good money. But like even I, then, I like, put one just, together. You just never know. Like you literally just never know. Like I would say, like yeah, I just don't know. Like this is just so scuffed. This entire this entire week, this this card in general is just scuffed. Like it's just a hard bet. Yeah, absolutely. I um, so parlay, we'll, we can save for the end. We'll see what happens with it, but I already placed it, so I'm gonna put it on the podcast. Hell yeah! All right, so I don't. Did you guys want to take anything um, in the first couple of fights? I, I have the very first fight. All right, Mike, go ahead, take it away. Uh, this one. No, fuck. We'd never know if these are gonna happen, but 
can't answer by submission. I believe it's plus 350 or plus 300 on Barstool. Um, she's a smaller fighter. She's going up against Jasmine Ja. ja hold on, I can't. Jasu Davikius. Ah, there we go. Hey, yeah, I think that's right. Um, she's like five inches shorter. The reach is smaller. Kay Hansen's is, but she is a superior grappler. Um, they land a, a similar amount of strikes. Uh, Jasmine has one more. I'm sorry, one more strike landed per minute. The only problem I see for Jasmine is that uh, Kay Hansen has 100% takedown defense, which uh, Jasmine tends to go again, go for takedown. She averages four takedowns per 15 minutes, uh, 100% takedown defense. Even if she gets taken down, she's very, very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu off her back. She averages 1.64 submissions per 15 minutes. This is just going off the website, but I do follow her on Instagram as well, so I, I kind of know her background a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Um, I definitely feel like she's developed her striking over, she's only had two fights in the UFC, but her striking is definitely developed. Uh, probably not where she wants it to be, but it's definitely better from when she first came in. I'm gonna. It's a little risky to me, but I'm gonna go ahead and take her by decision. I think she's gonna close the distance, get the takedown, and get the sub. Get out of there. Hansen, correct? Kit Hansen. Yeah. Sorry. I know. I kept going back and forth. That wasn't too good. Kit Hansen by submission, plus three hundred, I believe, on Barstool. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. This one feels like a weird matchup to me just because they just signed uh, Jasmine to a deal. Yeah. Right. Well, she, and she just fought on. Uh, she won a split decision in. She won a split decision in the contender yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going And about. to be honest with you, I thought it was kind of strange signing her. Like, she didn't look like yeah. crazy good you're right and then Anna usually goes after the people that have like the sparky um, yeah it wasn't finishes like they really show out it was like an underwhelming decision i thought um and then they threw her into such a hard matchup for her her matchup is going against someone who you know is an effective grappler wow um she comes from 10th ten, planet too it's just funky style of grappling for those who don't know you know it's it's not traditional yeah and and you know i think the the k hansen that um you know that with her time in invicta i think even um the k hansen when she was in invicta could have taken this jasmine juice viscous so i i don't see any issue with the pick um but I just I stayed away. It might from be this wrong one. method, but probably similar outcome. You know. Yeah, I. The for me, I think the only issue is um, submissions. I can't remember how many K. Hansen has off the top of my head. I'm gonna look this she up has quick. four, I believe. Yeah, fifty-seven percent of her pro wins have come by submission. So taking that by decision is scary. No, no, no. For me. What? Did you say decision or no sub submission? Sub. Oh, you're going sub. Okay. Yeah, sub, 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 sub. Wow. Is my English not working today? <laughs> Maybe my brain's not working. So no, no. I I could be wrong. She might get a decision, but I'm gonna go with the submission. I definitely feel like she can make it happen and make me some money. Oh, we're gonna go oh, yeah. with it. 
All right. So uh, our next fight, um, we have Matt Frivola taking on uh, Henero Valdez. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go. What? I remember watching Matt Frivola's last fight, and it was against Terrence McKinney. And oh, yeah. That was just a funny fight in general. First off, right off the gates, right? Like, he was talking about how Joe Rogan was talking about how, like, he's like, yeah, this Frivola guy, he loves getting in the pocket. He loves like he loves a stand and bang. Like he gets in there and he starts battling. And before he can even finish that sentence, McKinley just goes pop, pop, just a nice one, two. And then the dude just on the ground, just like fucking out like on the goddamn life. And then on top of that, Terrence McKinney decides to celebrate. And then he fucking hurts himself when he celebrates. Like he Oh, I remember did a black he did like a backflip off the cage and like tore something up in his knee, didn't he? No, that wasn't even a backflow. I think he was trying to get up on the cage and he hurt himself. If I'm not mistaken. He's I do remember Johnny that. Johnny Walker himself. Yeah. yeah. I just remember watching that and dying laughing. I'm like, dude, you didn't get touched literally at all. Like, you tied for the fourth fastest knockout in the like in UFC history, and you decided to do that and hurt yourself on the celebration. Like, you're a fucking... Man. I love it. <laughs> a medical suspension for getting for knocking someone out in seven seconds for the winner. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was so comedy. I was actually dying laughing when I first saw that. Like, I've never like seen something like that. And I was like, I thought that was fucking hilarious. I was like, dude, you're an idiot. But like, good for you, I guess. <laughs> so anyways, on to the fight. Uh, I'm going to take Matt Favola here. Um, I think they're both kind of similar. They're both guys that like Joe Rogan was saying, um, they they like to just start get in there and start swinging, um, and I think the only reason this goes to decision is because is two things. Valdez's chin is made out of steel; he has a granite chin, so it makes me a little bit nervous when it comes to if Rivola does really want to brawl with Valdez. It'll be tough for him to put him away, and Valdez does have some good pop in his hands. Um, but Frivola is a better technical boxer. I think he's a better wrestler. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Um, <laughs> so I think if, if Valdez wants to kind of scrap and he wants to get into the clinch and he wants to try and brawl, I think Frivola can use his wrestling to drag him to the mat and secure a position. Now, it's just going to be whether or not he can put his ego aside and do that, or if he wants to do that. His um, ego? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to, I'm personally going to be taking Frivola by decision at plus 165. Um, this Ooh, one was kind I of also, like a, this one was also a bit of, this is a caution bet for me. So mm. go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know either, you guys. Uh, Good radio. No, I've I, I I've been deathly sick, and um, my uh, school has been taking over my life right now. So it's been a little tough to do the research. So I'm a little I'm gonna be a little quieter today than usual. It's all right. I didn't even really look at this one, to be honest with you. I see my whole thing is like I don't have money right now, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I gotta be super fucking careful, take little risks, and it's you know I don't know how the fuck. I got convinced of betting Memphis tonight. Anyway, so I just took <laughs> the Grizzlies. No, uh, I mean, yeah. they're rolling. I was the going to say the Grizzlies are rolling. The are you talking about college basketball? College, yeah. I got oh, Indiana 
Uh, money oh, I need to Purdue right now. They're up three. So I need go. to stop. He says I need to stop betting and I need to be more careful with my money. And then Purcell oh, okay. has to bet on something he knows nothing about. No, no, no. This is this. These are bets placed on advice of a, from a coworker. So I I had to take them and I have five dollars in my account. So tell him tell him uh, to like and subscribe. Yeah, if I ever if I want to bet this weekend. Indiana needs to beat Purdue tonight. Um, I oh can say all I want. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. We're a betting podcast where one of the hosts doesn't bet. Well, obviously, if I run out, I'm still going to add more money. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to, Lee. That's understandable. Um, okay, so next fight, uh, Savino Juarez takes on Vanessa Demopoulos. I think I did that right. Uh, I am going to take... Uh, Juarez in this one. This was a fight that was supposed to be last week. Um, it was. And then it, for unknown reasons, probably COVID. But for, they haven't, yeah. they haven't officially announced why, but this was pushed into the 270 early prelims. Um, I don't know. Did you guys end up making picks for this one last week and scrapping it? No, but I'm looking at some of the stats right now. I find this very interesting. I don't know, Alex, you said you did some homework on this one, right? Yeah, I did homework on it. I'm going to be honest. I thought I had it. Suarez uh, is hot. I do not Same. have it anymore in my uh, notes. Um, so I don't remember what I put. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I had it, and I don't remember what I put. Um, I think I actually went against you, and I went to Mopolis, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think that was like my bet. I don't, I couldn't literally not give you a reason why I'm, I'm putting on a huge trust me, bro. On this one too. Um, you are one to know. You are one to know and trust me, bros. That's true. That is, that's true. <laughs> is that a, is that a segment? Every yeah. week now? Trust me. Bro. Oh, the Alex now, Lee. Trust me, bro. <laughs> pick you, of the you night. Can't get mad at him for what happened because yeah, it's just a trust me, bro. Yeah. Trust me, bro. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't remember what I put. I just remember that I, I'm pretty sure I went against you on that one, and I, I think I had uh, Nemopolis on this one, but I couldn't tell you Lee, what you, Or Andrew, I should say. Um, or Drew, as you're better known by. No, no. Only <laughs> um, my mom and Alex. I know. Um, is this at flyweight or, or sorry, strawweight or flyweight? This will be at such a good question. Give me see. My fucking internet. It's so stupid. Straw weight. So 115? Yes. Mm, I think Demopolis is coming down then. I'm I'm looking at the UFC.com and it she's listed as a flyweight. All right. Well, for me, I'm going with I'm gonna go with um Juarez, and this is like one of my few underdog picks on the cat on the uh of this mm-hmm. podcast. But I think Juarez is faster and a little bit more powerful on the feet. Definitely a better striker. Uh, yeah, Demopoulos is aggressive, mm. and he she has she does have to live in the pocket because she's she wants to get the fight to the ground. But I don't think her offensive wrestling's very good. Um, again, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Demopoulos looks like a beast. She, I think she's gonna be the bigger fighter. She uses a grappling, it might be a different story. She's the little yeah, and monster. she's she's good. Her her top jujitsu game is good. Her problem is getting there. Yeah, uh, she she doesn't have the wrestling to get the ground to there. So therefore, 
she fights her opponent's she fights in her opponent's pocket and has to rely on you know inconsistent shots basically to try and take the fight down take the damage to get where you want where you want to go not the best strategy in the world i think since since wars is faster and has better striking i think that can carry her to a win and i think that there's value in her being an underdog yeah I have to agree with you. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to challenge you, but I think at the end of the day, like it's a good underdog value pick. I, I think for me, more of the pick isn't along lines that of that. I'm so confident that she's going to that Wars is going to win that I'm going to pick her no matter what. But I think it came down to I see a path for I see a path of victory for Juarez, and I see her being an underdog, and I can I, I would I would invest money into it thinking that there's going to be a risk involved yeah is how is my thought yeah i think i i I had demopolis and i'm pretty sure i had her by sub because that's what i like that's what she like was good for good for Um, and i think i figured since like she is kind of coming down in weight she's wrestling that are bigger than her so she might overpower on the ground i think that's kind of where my head was at um but i i mean you know i also I mean, I don't know. Like, I, that's kind of what I remember off my research, roughly. But I, that was last week, and I have also a terrible memory. <laughs> so, I don't There's really. no memory on this podcast. Nope. <laughs> um, Love to see it. They're both lost their last one. So, what is it? I Let me go back through. I'm trying to pull something up on ESPN. My internet's not fucking working. My Zoom is fine. UFC.com is fine. But ESPN can go fuck itself. They charged me more money and their internet doesn't work. <laughs> so the next fight um, is that the it's Michael Morales versus oh no, it's no. Uh, uh, Tony Gravely, Tony Gravely and Stamon Simon Oliver. Yeah. Um eh, I didn't I don't think I touched this one. Did you? Any of you guys? I didn't touch it. Um, yeah, I, I was a little bit nervous. Um, what is it? Here, I'll tell you the odds right now on this on this fight. Um, I, I was worried about Gravely's... I think Gravely is a better fighter, but I think his cardio is garbage. And... Oliveira is also making his debut. Yeah. If Oliveira... Oliveira is... He's hard to finish. Um, he's got a shit ton of submissions too. Yeah, and I think if Oliveira can drag this fight to the ground, then maybe. Uh, but I mean, it's not like uh, I don't know. Their stats are actually pretty similar, and like yeah, just based I off just, the stats. But like, obviously, that never tells the full story. Like you for me, the it eye just test. gravely has an he's he's a. This is a favorable style matchup for him. Um, and he's faster and he he's actually he's, he's still nasty on the ground too. I just his cardio is just so garbage. So I didn't want to touch this one. Um, so I don't know. Did you guys want to discuss this at all? Nope. I didn't touch it at all. And I will not be touching it. <laughs> okay. Um uh, 
I just don't know enough. I don't a lot of these. I don't know enough to make an educated decision that might actually win me money. You know what? That's that's fair. Uh, I I don't blame you. That's kind of like this whole card for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like it's one big long shot pick after another, or we're picking how fights are gonna end for the winner. Like we're picking basically. Like my all my picks are prop bets because it's the only way you're ever gonna win money in this in this damn card. Yeah. Or so this whole thing snipe a fucking parlay out of left field. So yeah, and um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel great. Um, I'm gonna talk about the, the Jack Della uh, Medellina versus Pete Rodriguez fight real quick. Um, just because I am gonna put this in a parlay. Um, I'm Ooh. gonna take. No, I was going to say the uh, Trevin Giles fight, uh, but that's for my parlay, so I'll save it for later. That's my trust me, bro, pick in a parlay. <laughs> New segment. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, every week we should be like, just, just trust me, bro. <laughs> but we can't do that because then all my picks will be like, just trust me, bro. <laughs> and I'll bring absolutely no reasoning and it'll be terrible. But anyway, oh. continue. Go, go on to that one. All right, so Pete Rodriguez is gonna he's taking on Jack uh Jack Della Medellina. And he's only he's coming in on a little over a week's notice. He had eight days. Um and from what little I found on Rodriguez is that he's he's got really good power, he's a decent boxer, but I don't think he's ready for a guy of Della Medellina's caliber. Um I mean, just because he's untested, I don't think that means that he's incapable. They're both on their debut, too, so it's not like they're both untested right now. Yeah, so. I, I I would agree. Um, it's just that... Uh, Madeline has definitely got a bunch more fights. More experience in the, in the cage, whether it's an octagon or a circle. I mean, Jack Madeline knows has finished nine fights in less than two rounds, eight of them by knockout. Well, he's an Aussie, so I guess that makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, just watching some of his some of his stuff versus Rodriguez's stuff, I think Della, Della Medellina is just a better fighter, striking-wise. And he uses a really nice... He, he works the body really well. And I think... If he if he does that again this time, we can be looking at another knockout. So I'm going with uh, Della Medellina by knockout. From what I remember, it's only like a minus 125, so it's kind of like there's really no point in just leaving that by itself. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm that's that's good. that's going to be my pick for part of that parlay. Gotcha. All right, so I don't know did. Outside of the one I have in my parlay, I did not touch the prelims. <laughs> okay. So, uh, real quick, I'll talk about Ilya to, uh, Taporia versus Charles Jordan. Um, this one hurts me a little bit just because I really like Charles Jordan. He's so game. Mm-hmm. He's always down to throw hands. Like, he's super entertaining to watch. So, I feel bad when I say I want to take Ilya Tapura by submission at plus 140. 
Tapuria really? has 11 wins, 10 of them by finish, 7 of them by submission. But his last two fights were against were knockouts. I mean, granted, one of them was Ryan Hall, so you're not going to try and submit Ryan Hall. Like, that's just fucking absurd if you try to submit Ryan Hall. But yeah. if your past two fights in the UFC have been knockouts. I mean, you're kind of on an upwards trend of that area. Absolutely. Uh, and his, I think the upwards trend is a part of him becoming a better striker. But I, I, it doesn't make sense for him to walk into this cage with Charles Jordan and try and get into a kickboxing match with him. No, not, not he has a clear all. advantage. He has all. a clear advantage wrestling. He's one of the. He's a George. Ilya Tapur is a Georgian. Yeah, and like one of the big things, pretty much other than Giga Chikatsu, one of the big things that Georgians are good at across the UFC is wrestling. They're fantastic wrestlers. That whole just, region of the world is. But yeah, just generally speaking, they're all really good wrestlers. So, Jordan's takedown defense is a little shaky. It's a little suspect, um, which means that there is a very, I think, a very clear path to victory. And even if Ilya Toporo wants, or yeah, even if he thinks that it, it would be a good idea to stand and bang with Charles Jordan, like you said, Ilya Toporo does have that. He has striking ability it's there we've seen it there so i don't know and not only that but jordan steps into the fight with one week's notice oh, i didn't know that actually oh. yeah yeah that's so again i this one felt like too good of an opportunity to pass up um it felt it felt like we know who's gonna win it's just a matter of do I think Tapur is going to be able to get the submission? Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty safe bet, honestly, too, because when it comes to late additions, like I feel like wrestling, especially for someone like who's as prolific as a striker as Jordan, I feel like wrestling sometimes isn't really always worked on in like the off when you're not like really preparing for a fight. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it always seems like with those kind of guys, sometimes wrestling gets is uh is more of a second thought for them. Which yeah, is conditioning too, just because yeah. you're generally gonna be out of shape. But I feel like these short notice go one of two ways: they either get their ass whooped or they somehow win. And so Lee, like for you, decision. I'm hoping that he gets his ass whooped. But not too bad because all due respect. Yeah, I love Jordan, so that's unfortunate. But yeah, I might have to go with you on that. I like that pick. Definitely game uh, stepping in on a week notice. Yeah, yeah. So, gotta love the guy, but sorry, I'm gonna bet against you. Um, so then we'll move into. I'm gonna move into the main card, unless you guys wanted to talk about uh, Rayoni Barcelos versus Victor Henry. Victor Henry, um, la me gusta. I don't actually know. Long haired, holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. How to say he's Brazilian, so I don't know how to say his last name or his not his last name, his nickname, whatever. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go into the next one. I don't know anything about this next fight. Good radio. Oh. Um, all right, so we'll go into the main card. Um, I'm we're gonna go we're we're gonna start the main card with Wellington Terman taking on Rodolfo Vieira. You remember um, Rodolfo's last fight, right? Yeah. Um damn. are you gonna talk about it? Do you want to talk about I it? I also want to make sure I'm talking about this the right thing. I mean, go ahead. He he absolutely gassed out. He's right. Yeah. He's like an absolute Greek god of a human. 
He's like a multiple time world champion in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Got gassed out after the first round and got submitted, if I remember correctly. No, I thought he submitted him. Mm-mm. He his last fight was a win. Yeah, he won. I'm he won via two, submission. Two ago, his last yeah, his last fight was against Justin Stoltis. And he what beat was the him. one before that? Anthony Hernandez, and he gassed yeah, out. That's it was Usman that's Burns. Sorry, two fights and, ago. Yeah, you're right. I and I think for for me, that's why I'm taking I'm taking Wellington Terman. Ooh, I might have to pick this one up. <laughs> Wellington Tournament does have a hundred percent takedown defense. Granted, it is against lesser wrestlers. Um, but if Terman can determine where this fight takes place, nice. You know, if he if he can if he can figure out how to get past Rodolfo Vieira's striking, which Vieira does have a uh, significant advantage there. You know, if he can drag this. If he can drag this fight to the ground and gas him out, or I think, just keep it on its on its feet long enough, yeah. And and weather or storm, I don't really know what his, I don't know what his chin looks like. Um, but I see a path to victory for Terman here, who is a plus one seventy five underdog. Um, I mean, I'm I was thinking just take his his money line. I can't believe I didn't think about this one, but I I do like that a lot. Weather the storm and get the W. This is my trust me bro pick. <sighs> All right. I like your trust me bro pick. <laughs> it's a very good one. No, this is a huge warning bet for me. Um, I don't feel confident in this one at all. I'm not going to lie to you. So maybe, maybe trust me, bro. I my man, if it's trust me, bro, you just got to be confident and just pull it. There's All right, fucking no trust, me, yeah, trust, fuck it, trust me, bro. Fucking trust me. <laughs> trust me, bro. Okay. So, next fight, Cody Stamen will take on Syed Nurmagomedov. Not related to Khabib. No, not, related. not related to Khabib. As a matter of fact, completely opposite fighting style. Syed Nurmagomedov is not a good wrestler. I think he averages 0.15 I takedowns per 15 minutes. definitely feel like saying any Russian with the last, even though he's not related to Habib, any Russian with the last name Nurmagomedov to say they're not a good wrestler is an understatement. Listen, brother, brother. He is brother, not. No, brother, no, no, no. Amazing. He is not. He's not Nurmagomedov because he knows you know why. Because he never, he never wrestled. He never wrestled bear in two degree river swimming upward. Yeah, Nurmagomedov's like the Russian his takedown accuracy is seven percent. So I would say it's safe to say that. How many takedowns has he tried? Um. He has an average of 0.45 takedowns per 15 minutes. Exactly. Just so he stands at banks. Yeah. Okay. So, Stamen, <sighs> obviously, obviously a better grappler. He averages 2.8 takedowns per 15. Um, but he's watching his fights. He's solid on the feet, but he's not anything special. I think he gets impatient on the feet when it comes to his striking. When it comes to his takedowns, he, he can wait it out a little bit. But I think Nurmagomedov has a six-inch reach advantage that I think we saw use. We saw, who was it? Caitlin Chukagan do this perfectly. Where she fly. used her reach advantage. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we used, she used her reach advantage to keep takedowns at bay. Now, was it perfect? No. But if you can, if you can use your striking to defend takedowns and not let someone get inside the pocket... And only touch them at a distance that you can do it. I think for me that's going to be a pretty solid victory. Um, 
And then I'm going to take, so I, I took Namargo made up by decision. And the reason I say by decision is because Stamen's never been knocked out. Yeah, I have Namargo, Jesus Christ, Nogomedov in a parlay, just money line. But we can get to that later. Looks. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything for this. I mean, he won against, or he lost against Dishvali. Uh, Devashavili. I still can't say that guy's name. Fuck me. Um, and then Nurmagomedov actually won or lost against Barcelos, who's also on this card, and but won against Ramos via knockout. So I don't know. I mean, this is – I would have to agree with you. I think if he – if Stallman loses to a guy that I think is shorter, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, Devashavili is, uh, then um, – Nurmagomedov, I don't, and they have pretty good striking, both of them. I don't see why this wouldn't end up in a, in a nice little, uh, either decision or a knockout for uh, Syed. So, Syed is going to be the bigger fighter, I believe. He um, is. Yeah, he yeah, has so. uh he has a five and a half reach advantage on with his arms, and he has a two and a half or three and a half reach advantage on his legs, and okay. he's also two inches taller. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's good, good striker. So I think, um, keeps that at bay. Um, on to the next fight, Michael Pereira takes on Andre Fialo. You guys know Michael Pereira, right? Yeah. Like if you, it's Michelle, by the way, is it? It's. I'm gonna have to hear Anik say it again. But anyways, this think it's Michael. If you ever have a chance, go onto YouTube and just type in his name. Mm-hmm. And watch some of the highlights because this is the funniest, craziest thing you will ever see. Oh, this is the fucking this is this the, the backflip guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. This you is know what built I like have a his uh... name as on my on my notes. It's oh my god! Like, it's oh my god! Crazy this, guy. Oh my god! This guy lost to Diego Sanchez last year or two years ago though. Oh my god! He beat oh, Diego. Oh no, he lost. Oh no, he lost. Oh he lost. no, no, no. Oh, he, he lost by lose. DQ. No, actually, I remember watching that fight. I remember it was an illegal knee. That's yeah, right. Yeah, illegal knee. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I remember this guy. This guy was a weirdo. I mean, he's he's calmed down a little bit. Definitely. Um, his, Definitely. His last fight with uh, his last fight against Nico Price, he looked really good. I mean, just explosive the whole time. It was a fun fight. Um. Yeah, I just, I'm going to take him by decision at plus 200. Uh, Perez is just a very well-rounded fighter. Um, he has a solid mix of striking with his, he's got a nice snappy jab that he's good. Uh, he's good with, and then obviously his just unorthodox style. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is Fallow's making his debut. He's doing it yeah. on short notice. Yeah. Um, and... And he's not as good of a wrestler as Pierre is. And I think the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is if you look at Fialo's record, the dude sleeps people. Yeah, I, but I feel like uh, Pierre's got a good chin. But he's, I mean, yeah, he's, only, he's only been knocked out once, but he is, he's 28. What? Yeah. He's not that Jeez. old. He looks he's old. He's, he's 28, but he's been in uh oh, quick maths. 37 fights pro- professionally. He probably so started when he was like 16 professionally. 
He might have. Brazil, they don't give a shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to take Pereira by decision here. I think he can use that wrestling against uh, Fialo. Um, and even if they do decide to kind of square off um, and just kind of throw, um, it'll make me a little bit nervous because, like we said, Fialo does have that power. But uh, Pereira's not, he's not a slouch on the feet. So, I think uh. – um, I think this will go to decision. Yeah, I'm siding with you too. He's part of my parlay, but just money line. He's a big favorite, I'm pretty sure, isn't he? He's like a two to uh, one. He is. He is. No way, I don't have him. He is a play. minus 280. Uh, almost almost three to one, man. I yeah. have him by knockout. I don't know why. This what? might be a trust me, bro. Yeah, it wasn't Fialo. You can't have this many trust me bros in a fucking podcast. <laughs> Boy, okay, so it's definitely not a trust me bro, but I was like, I'm thinking, I, I was thinking about it at work, but now that you're talking about it and I'm remembering more, I like you said by decision, right? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with that, to be honest with you. Oh, you sackless no, no, because turd. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I can't remember anything. I do all this stuff at work, and I don't do any work, and then I can't remember anything I was thinking about. Why no? Why you no write down? Uh, all I have is crazy guy plus one eighty-eight KO. Yeah, my thoughts are really, really clear. Good notes. All right, so we'll move on to the next fight. All right, this is the fight that I am. Rocket KO. Why not? All right, all right, Jesus. all right. I'm going against you on that. Anyways. Next fight, super excited about it. It's a trilogy matchup between Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. Um, these last two fights have been so entertaining to watch. I've truly loved this trilogy. Anytime I get a chance to watch these, any cha- anytime I, I get a chance to watch these ty- these guys throw down, I will take it. Will- the real savior of the uh, flyweight division. Yes, right now. I want the triology. Right now. You guys ever seen that video? Isn't that uh that's also um what's his face? No, that's Figueredo. He was Did like, he say it? Oh yeah. He was in a video with Henry Cejudo, and Cejudo was like, it's like he was just like talking Cejudo. or Cejudo. Sorry, he was like talking like I don't know if he's talking shit. He's he's whatever. He was saying whatever he was saying. He's like, yeah, we're ready for this. Tri- uh, we're ready for this trilogy. Like you know, we're ready for this fight. We're getting ready. And Figueredo was like, snags the phone out of his hand. He's like, Moreno. I want triology because, you know, he doesn't speak English very well. He's like, I want triology. We, you, triology. And this is before the fight was even fucking, like, announced or anything. I was dying laughing. And this is fucking heavy-ass accent. And you just cannot say trilogy. He's like, triology. So now whenever I say they're going to go into trilogy, that's my new favorite word is triology. So, sorry. Just had to put that in there. My bad. All right. I mean... For me, I'm going to go with the over three and a half. It's at minus 125. Um, I mean, the last two fights have gone over that. I don't see any wow. reason why. I think. Wait, really? Uh, I thought the last one was the second round. Mm, no, it wasn't the second round. That being said, uh, <laughs> I think. Nice. Well, here, here's why. Here's let me let me explain. Let me explain. Okay. So me. I think. No, let me explain. This isn't trust me, bro. This is let me explain why this is. So. Um, I think Moreno does he does a good job of pressuring. I think we've seen that in both the fights that he's had with Figueredo. Figueredo relies on that power and his size advantage over every fighter in the division. He is by far the most powerful flyweight 
at the moment. I don't know if he's all time. I can't think of anyone else that could top him in the power division at that. No, not in that division, no. I mean, the dude is in, he's a certified monster. I'm pretty sure he walks in the cage at 155. And I think Figueredo last fight got stuck in first gear. He did, he basically, it was a lesser. It reminds me actually a lot of what happened between Giga and Calvin. Not necessarily so much the degree of how it happened, because obviously Calvin Cater beat the snot out of uh, Giga, but Giga Chikatse was looking for a perfect strike the entire fight and was backpedaling the entire fight. And it's hard to do. That's hard to, to hit home runs when someone's walking you walking forward at you constantly punching you in the face. And I think that's something Brandon Moreno has done really well in these previous two fights. Now, I think what worked for Figueredo in that first fight was his ability to kind of eat some of these, stand his ground, and push forward. Every once in a while, laying some shots. The problem is that Moreno doesn't go away. No. He doesn't. He never goes away. He's He is tough as hell. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like thinking that Figueredo is going to be able to put him away, especially really early. And I think Figueredo is motivated by the fact that he basically got embarrassed in that second fight and he's going to want to redeem himself. Problem is Moreno way too hot. I'm, I'm a little worried about that to be honest, but I think, but I think he's also smarter than that, but I think Moreno's pressure combined with Figueredo's want to um, redeem himself is going to make this a longer fight for the, for the reasons I had just, you know, previously stated. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm super entertained by these fights and I'm, I'm more excited to just watch these above anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I got Moreno in a parlay. Um, just money line. It's only minus 177. So it's not the best, but obviously in a parlay. Honestly, you know what I saw? I saw something. I saw a Moreno knockout and decision double chance at plus 105 that I liked as a bonus. I don't think that's on Barstool, though. So that's DraftKings. Go with that. Um, I, something about Figueredo, man. Like he's so big for the division. He's in a fight before he even fights every time. I mean, he's only 5'5", five, five, but he pro- I think he walks around at like 160. Like, he's so big. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little brick shit house. So much, which <laughs> you could say why he lost the last one coming off. I feel, didn't he have – he was sick or something. And then – I don't he know. Fought. Just – he was – he was constantly – he was just stuck in first gear, it seemed like. Yeah, he never got like, started. Couldn't get the – Probably isn't the weight cut, but at the, it may be looking for that perfect knockout moment. Um, I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm going to agree with you. I think he goes all five. I'm going to side with Moreno here. Um, I see, I don't know, man. But I just – I love this fight. Like, I, I want to see – if if Figueredo wins, they should do a fourth. Because the first one was a draw. Yes. It doesn't count. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't count. This isn't the trilogy fight. This is the second fight of the series. <laughs> Oof, Alex. Trilogy. Trilogy. Quality. It is the trilogy, but... I, and also to watch Moreno's development between the first fight. 
same fighting style, obviously, between the first fight and the second fight, Otto Moreno. But I feel like he matured so much after that first fight, being like, holy shit, I can beat this guy. Yeah. I didn't put together my best fight. Maybe. I don't know for sure if that's what he was thinking. But I definitely feel like he came out of that saying, I can beat this guy. Came out in the second fight and absolutely dominated him. And now, obviously, Figgy wants the belt back. So it's 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 just gonna be a tremendous. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, but wasn't like the first fight between them like w- didn't like Figueredo only draw it because Figueredo fucking yeah kicked, kicked, him, kicked him in the dick yeah yeah or something like that. Which gave him a warning and he did it again. Yeah, he deserved that. He deserved a point being deducted. Yeah, hundred so. percent. But like, if that fight ends up being like that again, like. I mean, obviously, Figueredo wins that. No, like, so I, I don't know. Without like, those, without those kicks, he definitely won. But I, I don't. I'm not going to say Moreno won that fight because it obviously was a draw. But if those dick kicks don't happen, he loses. I'm saying it's like he has the confidence, being like, "Oh, I've been in the cage with him for 25 minutes. Yeah. I know what he has. I can beat this guy." Yeah, so like a level of maturity in his mentality, maybe in, before that second fight. And he's definitely going to come in with that same mindset in third. I, dude, I love Moreno. He's such a little nerd, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll get into the main event. First of all, I love that they put the smallest guys and then the biggest guys right after. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's dude, pretty well, cool. How big is Is it a 25-foot octagon or the, or the, the – It's the uh, standard. So, anyways, no, no, it's going to be – so, hang on. It's Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ngannou. Francis Ngannou holds the championship belt. The undisputed belt. Sorogon holds the interim. Sorogon is the favorite in this fight. He's like a minus 175. Sir, or, and Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, last time I saw, was like a plus 130, I believe. Plus um, 135. Yeah, depending on what sports book you're using. Yeah. Well, I'm um, just looking at UFC.com right now. Yeah. I can't remember. I think they're DraftKings. Um, but, but anyways, I'm... I am befuddled by this. I don't know. I was banking on Surigon being an underdog. Yeah. He is not. Um, so I didn't know what to take here because betting Francis Ngannou is there's always he could be fighting the most technical guy in the world at, at heavyweight, which he is. He is. He's fighting the most technical technically sound guy but and probably one of the fastest guys in heavyweight yeah. who's basically the same fucking size as him yeah he yeah. weighs he's also he's got two inch reach advantage but they're both six four and they're both big as fuck yeah mm-hmm. so but like so when you if you were to like take this at face value and look at the fighters and you didn't know who either of them were you would look at it and think oh Cyril Gunn like, or you would think whatever fighter's number you saw, numbers you saw as Cyril Gans, you would think that fighter is going to win. But you have to factor in that Francis Ngannou punches harder than a Chevy Camaro driving up the snow in 40 degree weather, uphill both ways, barefoot, going 20 miles an hour, <laughs> driving into a pickup truck <laughs> with its tailgate down. <laughs> no I yeah know. that purposely made no sense yeah it was i mean it's just hard to like determine like this fight like at one end you just have pure power just absolute 
unmatched power. And on the other end, you got speed and technicality and a guy who doesn't get hit very often, if at all. Yeah. You know, the dude as a heavyweight, the dude as a heavyweight averages over six strikes a minute. Absurd. It's absolutely insane. And he absorbs like two. Yeah. Yeah, 2.4, and I got 5.37 on strikes per landed per minute. Oops, over five. My apologies. Still, still. Might as well. Absurd. Be. Absurd Here's for heavyweight. Fucking blows my mind. Now that I'm looking at this, Francis Ngannou has 2.5 strikes landed per minute. But he only needs one of those a minute to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And I think what also scared me, too, was Francis Ngannou's last fight against Stipe. Granted, in a smaller cage, so Stipe had nowhere to run. But when he shot in for that takedown and Francis sprawled perfectly, it was like, whoa. It was, well, it was, it's, it was enough to beat it one of the best wrestlers the in the heavyweight it division. the fuck out of me. He was also 40 pounds heavier than Stipe. This is true. This is but true. still, no, I, no, no, no. I, all, all credit on Francis is wrestling definitely improved. It shocked the shit out of me when he said the and the maturity, you know, oh, before definitely. it was before, like you'd watch videos of him hitting pads and it was like, man, he looks good. And then they would blow the whistle and all of a sudden he's just swinging from the hip back and forth. Just like, yeah, Rose left hand, right hand hooks all around. Like probably shouldn't be swinging my microphone, but like he's just yeah. the Rose <laughs> struck fight <laughs> is like a perfect <laughs> example of that. Like, yeah. Really, just, like he got like leg kicked twice. He's like, fuck it. He's just, ah, he just fucking was just going back and forth and just like chucking hooks like he was Mike Tyson. But then if you watch him. when you watch the Stipe fight, he doesn't do that. No. He doesn't think I need to go kill. He it was you can see him visualizing the strikes in front of him and then materializing them. And I think that's what scares me is if we truly are in an era of Francis Ngannou 2.0, that man could potentially be just unbreakable. Well, potential. He has he absolutely has oh, the potential definitely. to be an absolute not not that he isn't a monster, but just just an absolute freak of, of what I, I don't know. He already is John's going to be sitting and waiting too for that perfect moment and like this the line the strikes up right in and out. I mean, kind of like he did against Derek Luce, but he's going to have to be on a whole nother level, obviously. Even though Derek Luce beat Francis, but that was Francis one point oh before the that was Francis before. that was Francis point zero 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 two. Okay, fine. That was the worst so, fight I've ever seen. Dude, I am freezing right now. It's fucking 72 degrees in my part now. I'm freezing. Anyway, um, definitely going to just be a kickboxing fight. There's, I doubt there's going to be any ground action in this one at all. I almost don't want there to be. I don't want there I don't want there to be. I will come out flat and say fucking stand and bang all day. I don't care how you do it. Just win. I'm all here for it. Um, But, yeah, I don't – I'm – I don't know. What did you guys take? Oh, I didn't. The okay. The the smart guy in me, the smart guy in me wants to take zero gun because of just how technical he is and how fast he is, and considering the fact that he doesn't get hit, you know, it, like very rarely does get hit. I mean, it's just so hard to like bet against that, but especially with someone. Long spike yeah, track. but yeah. then yeah, but then there's the other side of that, where it's you know, like you said, Engano just needs one hit. That's it. Like, he just needs one clean hit. Dude's fucking crippled. Like, on the ground, stiff as a fucking board, like, out, like a light. Like, 
So I like the power in this. I am going betting with my heart. Um, I like the way Ngannou looked against Stipe. Um, he looked a little rest. He looked pretty reckless against Rosestruck, but I think he's a different fighter from then. Um, I just, I like Ngannou too much. I just don't see him losing. I just don't. I think the only way he, if he would lose is by decision. That's it. Right. And um, yeah, uh, well, either by decision or he gets like a weird submission. Gan gets a weird submission past the third round if Ngannou gasses out. Um, so that's really it. So I talked to Jason this morning and I want to, cause Jason probably, get, he might listen to this just for our picks. He pointed out to me and Andrew did as well. Uh, and I wrote it down. So Francis is plus 125 money line on Barstool. He's plus 150 for a knockout. You might as well just take him fucking money line. So that's, that's my first point. Yeah, you're going to make a little bit more money off knockout, but it, 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 do either of you see more of a value on betting the knockout if it's, you know, plus 25 higher? No. No. And you especially, yeah. we're splitting hairs at that point. $100, it's really not that big of a difference. But you're, split, I, I think, yeah, you're splitting hairs. I, yeah. I, though, that being said, though, I think the thing is, I don't think Ngannou wins any other way. I'd be surprised if you win. That too, way. yeah. You know, yeah. so like, at that point, you minus you could just say fuck it, but like, yeah, because I don't think. But if that, he doesn't get a knockout, then you just lose money. Yeah, but I don't think that Ngannou survives. Like he'd have to undoubtedly win the first three rounds. Yeah, in order yeah, for that to make right. sense. I, I, so that's that's part of my logic behind this whole thing, is that I think the only way Francis can win is a knockout, which is definitely very very likely. This is the only way I can see him winning. But then me and my brother were talking. And he's, he's kind of smart. He trains way more than I do. That man has been fucking striking with MMA fighters down in the boondocks of Kansas. And it, it's ridiculous. He could probably kick my ass now. I'm not too happy about it. I could definitely still take him to wrestling. But we were talking. He's like, dude, I don't see how he can beat Fran- – or how, how Francis can beat Gon besides the knockout. So he agrees with me. And then I brought up to him the interview – that Francis did the other day where he's talking about, if I lose, if I lose uh, my legacy, which no doubt he does have a legacy in the UFC, but something about that to me, like that screams like, okay, I'm already done. Like you, you're losing it before you even started. Like, why are you talking about losing? Right. That shouldn't even be a thought in your head right now. Yeah. It's a possibility, but I just don't, I don't like that. You're busting, out the, you're busting out the man analytics on us? I, I have to. I have to go with man analytics on this because I know not everybody has supreme confidence all the time. And obviously, Francis probably doesn't either, even though he's the baddest man in the planet. Nobody – right now, he is the heavyweight champion of the UFC. No one's better than him. That, that's something you can say right now. It might change on Saturday. might not. But something about just saying, like, if I lose, if I lose, I know he's gonna about to go into negotiations and all that, all that nonsense that I don't like to deal with because it's too much for my brain. Thank God I don't have to ever do that. I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna go stroke out money line in my parlay. I, I'm, I'm just gonna, and I'm also gonna fade myself. Ooh. I'm also gonna fade myself just as a backup. You're gonna hedge. I'm gonna hedge Francis money line. I have to. I can't. Because my logic is, if I lose this parlay, 
which I've already placed. That's going to be the one you lose on? It's, it's the one that I'm most confident I would lose on. So why not replace that money with him money line? I like the flip of words there. You took, this is my least confident bet into, this is the most confident I feel I'm going to win either way, loss. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win either way. I'm going to fade myself, and I'm winning either way. I should just but, start doing that in general. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just want to see a fantastic fight. I love the heavyweight, these, both these heavyweights. Yeah, this, this, card is, this card is not for the betting, in my opinion. This card is more... No. Entertainment. It's, it's going to be more entertainment, and I think all the entertainment's going to. I think the main amount of entertainment we're going to see is probably going to be in the main card. I think so. Um, but I think so. For me, I'm not. I'm not too crazy with this main card, like all, no, as a whole. Just the title fights, though. But the two title fights make it worth it. Of course, yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. You know, the free fights are what they they are. What they are. And then, you know, the first, I'd say the first three are kind of underwhelming to look at. I mean, Michael Pereira is just fun to watch because the dude's insane. And he's built like... That Sandman fight could be pretty good, though. That's true. Um, I say these first three could be kind of sneaky good. Yeah, I'm not saying they they won't. I'm not saying they can't. I know, I know, I know. I just want to throw it out there. (laughs) Looking at it on paper, it looks underwhelming, but the, the... Two title cards, or the two title fights, I think to me make it all worth it. Oh yeah. So like if I say I'll tell you what, if you were to throw these three fights, the first three on, take one of the title fights out, and add I don't know any two fighters that's not a title fight, maybe a title eliminator, and uh, either title fight I don't know, it definitely wouldn't be as highly touted as it's going to be. Obviously, two title fights, but it's not... I don't know what my point is. It's... it's. <laughs> yeah. If there was only one title fight, it would I would not be as excited as I am. I agree. I yeah. agree. And it's cool. these two specific title fights as well. Because I love I love those four guys. Like they're, they're fantastic. There's a lot of debuts this fight, this card too. There yeah. is... Yeah, one... first of the year. Got to get those guys' tr- contracts going. Yeah, there's three debuts in the early prelims. There is three debuts in the prelims. Two of the debuts are fighting each other. And then in the main card, we have one, which is Andre Fialo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it, this could either be fucking shitty as fuck or it could be really good. Like, it's yeah, gonna they got to show out. They will. All right, so let's move on to our parlays here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm going to start off with mine. I, like I said, I mentioned earlier. I took I took uh, Jack Maddalena by knockout, Kay Hansen by decision, and then I forgot to mention I'm gonna take uh, Rayoni Barcelos double chance knockout or decision. Um, reasoning behind that, Barcelos is just a far superior fighter, in my opinion, compared to um, Victor Henry. Yeah, Victor Henry. I mean, Victor Henry. He he won. What was it? He made his living in Japan. He's never been knocked out. But Ronnie Barcelos is an animal. He is a stud, and he just beat Josh Barnett. Um, or excuse me, uh, um, I'm Josh. sorry, Victor Henry, I believe, just beat Josh Barnett. But I Josh, think that's really Josh been Barnett? his only. Yeah, isn't he a heavyweight? Yeah. Um, 
But anyways, I think um, what's his face is Parcells is just he's better. I hate saying this, but he's better everywhere. He really is. Yeah, he definitely and I think, didn't fight Josh Barnett. No. Or what Barnett was it? Is, uh, what am I thinking? He was tied to his name somehow. Why am I so bad at podcasting today? This isn't good. Same gym, maybe? Maybe. Anyways, um, no. But Barcelos has beaten... Um, he, He's beaten guys better than Henry on his record. Um, And I want to say knockout just because of how much better he is. It's just that Henry's never been knocked out. Also, too, so, last three fights for Barcelos have been decisions. So, that's kind of hard yeah, to that, say. And they're against, I'm going to be honest, dudes I've, like, never heard of. Except for Syed and Margomanov. So, I don't know. I'm going to go. I, that's that's going to be my parlay. I'm taking Barcelos, uh, Della, Medellina, and uh, Hansen. All prelim fights. All prelims. What's the odds on that? Do you know? Final odds? I haven't put it in for final odds. Okay. Um, I I'm can't remember off the top of my head. Let's see. I'm going to go. Hanson. These are all money line, by the way. Uh, I took Hanson. I'm going to also take her by submission, which I said. Hanson money line. Morales money line. Uh, Nurgamedov money line. Moreno money line. And Ciro Gallon money line. That comes out at plus eight sixty nine. Ooh, not bad. Five legger. Yeah, this 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 could be a really good night or a really sad night. <laughs> uh, sad boy hours. Yeah. Alex, did you uh do you have any? Um, I mean, just off the top of my head, again, not a lot of research. Um, but I like Vanessa. Uh, I've I, I just from what I remember last time, I liked her odds and I liked the uh, so. I just like the way I, – I just thought that she was the better fighter between the two. But then again, chick fights, girl fights are a little, always harder to kind of bet on sometimes, at least from what I've seen. Um, so I'll probably do her straight up money line. She's only a minus 135, so that's not bad at all. Um, I'll take Ilya probably and then Barcelos because those are two heavy favorites. And I like both of those guys. Unfortunately, I don't want to bet against Charles Dordain, but that's whatever. And then I'll go Moreno and then Nganu. And Nganu's the scariest one out of all of those. So you're, yeah. you're doing a five-legger as well. Mm-hmm. That's probably where I'm going to go at. Um, if I was just to do just based off of the main card, I'd probably stay away from Nganu and just do Moreno, uh, Lima, Nurmagomedov, and then uh, probably uh, I'd probably go Rodolfo. Lima is Pereira, by the way, everybody. Yeah, pure. Yeah, sorry, Rara Lima. My bad. He's got two last names. Yeah. So. Yeah, keep an eye out for that on the books. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, I can't remember what it said on the book, but hey, yeah, go ahead. Anyways, um, so yeah, those are going to be our picks for two seventy. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else on this card? No, nope. no. I just, I'm just excited for an actual. I'm, I'm excited for a first uh, pay per view of the year. I'm excited. Uh, this two of the, probably the biggest fights that we're going to two of the bigger fights we're probably going to see of the year. Um, and I'm excited. I'm super excited. Alex, are you excited? I am ecstatic. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so freaking excited. 
Yeah, I mean, like we said, it seems underwhelming on paper, but the UFC did such a good job last year that it's hard to expect them to not put on a show. So Dan is saying, trust me, bro. Nope. Do we have a, I think we have a title for. Our, I was about to say, I think we a found title our title. For the episode. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't have much else. Thank you to uh, Flying Brian Atkins for coming on. Um, sure. That was it was fantastic to really get to know um, his thoughts on a lot of different things. So thank you again. Um, I don't know, guys. Uh, if you guys don't have anything else, let's let's get out of here. It's Friday. Let's go. What? We're dropping what? this on Friday. Oh, exactly. I thought we are dropping this on Thursday. Why would we we've never drop this? Hey, it's Thursday. Friday to me. My work day's over. <laughs> I'm at home chilling. It's fucking Friday. All right. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Happy Friday. Uh, thanks for listening again. Um, we'd, uh, we'd really like if you guys were to kind of start spreading the word about this. We've noticed that um we, we're getting we're getting some steady listening but we, we want to see it grow a little bit more um so get get it out you know kind of show show people that you think would be interested in this uh i think we've done a pretty decent job in betting we've you know we've we've definitely made money off this so and and, and i think we, we we make some people laugh too as well so if you guys are enjoying this um you know reach out tell tell some people about this we'd really appreciate that and smash the like button and share it with all of your boys. Let's go. I probably shouldn't do this because I feel like ass, but I don't give a fuck. We need energy. All right. Share this with your friends. Okay. Spread the word. We need more folks listening. So that way we hold ourselves accountable to actually do research on this bitch. Let's go. That's true too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Good night. <laughs>